from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and very blessed to say that I woke up this morning. So, it's the beauty of the world, it's the beauty of the day, it's the beauty of everything. You gotta appreciate the stuff around you. This world is a beautiful place. The sky is a beautiful sky. The birds chirping this morning at 5 a.m. were a beautiful, beautiful group of birds. And it's all how you look at things. Everything is how you look at it. It truly is. You know, we get sent some great stuff. We get sent some not-so-great stuff. And it's how we handle it. It's how we look at it. It's how we live our lives. That's going to dictate how we end up and just what happens from here. So I love my life. I love what I got. And I appreciate what I have. So I'm going to appreciate my life and I'm going to make the most of it. And I believe we all should. And I hope that you do make the most of the time that you have out there and enjoy the time that we are all blessed to have. Let's jump into the morning menu because there's plenty to talk about. And one of my favorite people is coming on the show today. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu that is live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Today's morning menu right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora brought to you by all the great partners that we have in Central and Upstate New York. I want to give some shout outs and some love to the people that we are working with around this wonderful Central and Upstate New York area and that includes Carvel DeWitt who's been with us now for nine years and counting. Carvel DeWitt, it is what happy tastes like and it is available on 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York. It is the exclusive home of the Wake Up Call Sunday, and you can get that with cookie dough pieces and caramel swirl is our signature with chocolate vanilla or a twist. You pick. Get that today at Carvel DeWitt, the Wake Up Call Sunday, and it's available two for one on Wednesdays. Dry Sig Apparel, that to make all of our clothes, all of our hats, all of our shirts, all the stuff we've given away, our promotional material, Dry Sig Apparel is where it comes from, and they are local here in the region, and that is D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. You can check them out there. You can also go and check out their store on Teal Avenue right by Shop City. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com, and also to Drysig Lady and to fanhands.com, the ultimate sports fan accessory, fanhands.com. Come. Much love to them and to Utica Pizza Company, as well as 315 Chiropractic and Wellness, Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. If you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, buy commercial property, sell commercial property, if it's for business or it's for personal, call 315-748-2524. That's 315-748-2524 to Lawrence Papaleo. Honda City of Liverpool, the only place that I buy my vehicles, and that is 
folks, you know when I tell you something, it is gold. It is truth. If I'm telling you I'm doing it, I am doing it. I don't have people on my website and connected to my show unless I appreciate and support them myself. Honda City is where I've gotten all the leases that I've ever had. Any car that I'm bringing home to the house, Honda City of Liverpool has brought it to me. Giovanni's Tuxedos, it's where I got dressed for my wedding. It's also where I buy my suits now. 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729 for Giovanni's Tuxedos. The Wildcat Sports Pub, where we are once a month with the West Genesee Wildcats and other special shows located on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York. It's also been the home of our Fantasy Football League, the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge, and the numerous leagues that come from that. The Penn and Trophy Center, which is one amazing place that you can get anything engraved. And basically, you know, when you have those mementos, those special gifts, the ones that mean more to you than anything else, the the trophies that you get, the awards that are given out at work, your employee of the month, you're something that you have from your grandmother, or your grandfather, a gift to mom and dad, a gift to your wife. You want to engrave your ring, whatever you want to do. The Penn and Trophy Center is the place to go, and you can call them at 315-422-8797. Looking Glass Events, your event planning company in Central and Upstate New York. You can call them at three or pardon me, yes, 315-702-4653, and of course. Chick-fil-A, who I'm very proud to work with. Chick-fil-A, once a month we are at Chick-fil-A Cicero on 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, New York, hanging out with CNS Athletics and other specialty shows at Chick-fil-A. So much love to Chick-fil-A, and I believe I did mention Utica Pizza Company, but let me shout them out one more time. Every Tuesday we do the ingredients to success, and that is proudly brought to you by Chick-fil-A, or pardon, pardon me, by Utica Pizza. I got them all on my brain this morning. Got them all on the brain. Food's good at all these places, and I'm hungry because I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have breakfast yet while I'm sitting here in the studio. But a lot of love to Utica Pizza Company where you can dine in on 628 South Main Street, North Syracuse, right by Sweetheart Corners. And you can also take out, have catering, and delivery by calling 315-214-3060. Check them out at uticapizzacompany.com, and you can check out their menu there as well as get directions and get their Facebook page, as well as It's a Utica Thing website. If you want Utica Pizza to come to you with your own specialized menu, you can find out more at itsauticathing.com. So check them out. Their famous tomato pie, as well as a bunch of their sauces and everything, are sold in stores all over the Northeast right now, which is absolutely amazing. You can click there for your local It's a Utica Thing provider and see where the products are. They are all over, which is really, really cool. They're at Big M Markets, they're at Green Hill Farms, PNC Fresh in Ithaca, as well as Calabrasellas in New York, Price Choppers, Utica Pizza Company, obviously you could buy them there and so many other places. It's so cool to see. They're at Nichols Supermarkets as well. This is where you can buy, once again, the Utica Pizza tomato pies as well as Utica Pizza's sauces, the chicken riggy sauce and the, you know, and the the marinara sauce and so on and so forth. So, so many great ways to get in touch with Utica Pizza Company as well as today on the show where we're going to have 
ingredients to success as we always do. And just like they put great ingredients into their food, we're putting great ingredients into our segment every single Tuesday to round out the show. So much love and, and thank you for giving me a moment here to thank all the beautiful companies in central and upstate New York that I'm proud to work with. With that being said, in today's morning menu on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, we're going to be hopping on the line with one of my closest friends who I consider a brother, part of the family, as well as a sports writer in Northeast Pennsylvania who writes about everything, covers the local teams in Northeast Pennsylvania, and of course is always covering Major League Baseball and the NFL and the NBA. He has a mind for everything, the NHL. He takes time to bounce around from sport to sport and know exactly what's going on. He keeps me on my toes, and he's a phenomenal person. That's Ross Turetsky. Ross Turetsky is going to be joining me in just a moment. Two Marywood alumni on the show together, about to break the internet, folks, with some greatness, coming up here in just a couple moments around 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time. Ross will join me to speak on the NFL draft and what went down with these teams Topics we will discuss include, but are not limited to, the Browns' first-round picks, Baker Mayfield, Saquon to the Giants, Sam Darnold to his Jets, because he's a big Jets fan, Sam Darnold being a USC quarterback, as well as Mark Sanchez, who was drafted by the Jets, Broncos seeming to trust in Case Keenum, the Ravens changing over from Flacco now or later, Cowboys not going high for a replacement to Des Bryant, Ravens taking two tight ends high in the draft, arguably the top two tight ends in the draft, why two, and why Nick Chubb was okay for the Browns, but Saquon Barkley wasn't. So we'll get into all of this in just a little bit here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora with Ross Tretzky, and we will round out the show as we always do with the ingredients to success around 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time, proudly presented by Utica Pizza Company, your source for Utica greens, chicken riggies, any type of pasta, dishes, fish, chicken, all of that, soups, Italian wedding. Oh my God, it's amazing. Everything. Everything. What did I forget? Meatball subs, chicken parm sandwich, a bunch of different salads, paninis, chicken riggy pizza, the wake up call, number one pick. Yeah. When you go to Utica Pizza Company, you'll be eating good. You're not going to be leaving there hungry by any stretch of the imagination. So that'll come up toward the end of today's show, which I'm very excited to share that with you in just a little bit here. And so without further ado, just to kind of preface it, preface this a little bit to let you know a little bit about Ross Turetsky as he will be talking with me about the NFL draft in, in just a couple minutes. Ross, again, like I said, is a fellow Marywood University alum like myself, and he is somebody that has continued his life in the sports world. He's done a lot of different things and has had the opportunity to branch out. He did play baseball at Marywood University while he was there, so he had some time with the baseball team. He also helped out the baseball team while he was lit, while he was on, you know, on campus or around campus and is currently a journalist at the Times Leader, co-host writer of the K-Man and Roscoe show and a, and he has also done stand-up comedy with DJ Roscoe Productions. So he has been a comedian throughout his life, and he's a very funny guy. He has been co-host and writer of the K-Man and Roscoe Show, and he is a journalist at the Times Leader in Northeast Pennsylvania. So he has done all of that, and he is married to a wonderful woman in Abby and has a beautiful baby girl who is my niece, my niche, 
how is my niche and people that if you get it, it it's because you watch boy meets world eric matthews always confuse the word niche and niece with one another so i call her my niche and lorelei is in this great wonderful world because her parents and god helped bring her here so i want to give lorelei a shout out this morning so ross is going to be joining the show in just a couple minutes from the Times leader and co-host writer of the K-Man and Roscoe show. He'll be joining me in just a few minutes here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora to speak on the NFL draft and a bunch of different things that have come from this draft and just what the thoughts are as we will be covering the NFL draft throughout this week. And we're looking to have some pretty amazing guests on the show, including Ross And tomorrow we'll have Eric Kroom, who will be joining me, Syracuse and NFL alum. He has been on the show numerous times. We're trying to bring him in more and more to the broadcast and allow him to have some some time here, some real estate on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. He had contacted me a few months ago and said, you know, I want to get into broadcasting and obviously I love the NFL and I've covered this and, you know, also following college basketball and whatnot. And he said, you know, I've always been interested by by what's going on in the broadcasting world and I know you've done this for 14 plus years and he had respect for me back then and I had respect for him so he reached out to me about this opportunity and I'm happy to give him an opportunity a former Syracuse and NFL player wanting to be a part of wake up call and when it comes to the character of a guy like Eric Kroom I've always appreciated him and, and respected him and he's always been good to me so it means the world to me that 15 years into doing this job, former Syracuse and NFL players are saying, hey, is there an opportunity for me with wake-up call? And hell yeah, there is. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how I look at it, you know. And and obviously, it's important to me to have good character and good conversation and good content. And he brings all that to the show. So, Eric Kroon will be joining me tomorrow to give his thoughts on the NFL and the NFL draft and so on and so forth. And could have some other surprises coming up. We have a new segment coming up with Katie Kalinske, who served seven years on Jim Beheim's staff at Syracuse. It's called Coaching with Class. And that will jump off today with a special extended video. And then it will become part of the weekly broadcast Thursdays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So there's a lot of great things coming in the new year. As April showers bring May flowers, we hope. It is May 1st, and we are moving forward always up and always forward and always in God's direction here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Always taking those steps upward and onward, folks. We'll take a step aside. We'll come back with Ross in just a moment. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrysigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, 
command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513. Or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily, you know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so, you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. And then lastly. The impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Give me your fortune cookies, ladies and gentlemen. You better present them to me. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you didn't see one of the worst movies ever made by humankind. And that was on Netflix, and it's called Do-Over, and it's an Adam Sandler movie that I wish they did over. So, 
you know, Ross and I decided to watch this movie at like one o'clock in the morning or something ridiculous. It ended at like 3 a.m. And it was by far one of one of it was it was so bad. It was good. It was so terrible that it was funny. And and fortune cookies play a big part in this thing. And I think the people the the notion, too, is that fortune cookies were not even created by the Chinese. They were created by Americans to get you to, I don't know, buy buy more food whatever it may be so we created fortune cookies allegedly and you know i guess we got to go from there with that there's also the notion that lo mein was created before pasta and that the italians stole the pasta idea from the chinese which would change i don't probably nothing in my life because i'm very happy to be italian and i'm going to eat pasta no matter what so with that being said i just mentioned a bunch of things that had nothing to do with sports it's a running stream of consciousness, and I'm hungry this morning, and people don't seem to understand that. So here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, I'm very happy for the opportunity to have Ross Turetsky on the show from the Times Leader, as well as K-Man and Roscoe show. He does broadcast throughout uh, the weeks and the months on Facebook, as, as you know we do here with Wake Up Call, so he has a great opportunity there on Facebook to tell you what's going on in the baseball world, football, so on and so forth, the NCAA tournament recently here, and uh, he is with us this morning to speak on numerous topics of the NFL draft that I'm more than proud to have him on the show to talk about. So without further ado, let me welcome in one of the best people that exists on the planet, and that is Ross Tretzky. How you doing, my good brother? Very good, buddy. Thanks for having me on, and I appreciate all the plugs and all the stream of consciousness. Talk about food. I'm hungry too this morning, so I can definitely feel your pain, and uh, going to definitely probably make some bad decisions and feel shameful after I eat all the chocolate and goodies in my house. But while I'm doing it, I will be very happy and enjoy it. And my little daughter, who's going to be 10 months old next week, she'll give me an evil look saying, why don't I get a piece? I'll be like, very soon, my dear. <laughs> but I will enjoy it in the time being, and then I will cry myself to sleep. Why am I such a little tubby? But hey, it is what it is, and I'm enjoying it. I'm glad to be on with you this morning. And uh, yeah, as you said, I do a crazy show where I basically speak into an iPad and or my iPhone, and I, and I put up a video show about a half hour. Every, usually every Friday. Yesterday I did one on Monday just because I didn't get a chance to talk about the NFL draft, and I basically just talk about insanity because I talked to myself anyway. If I had, if I didn't have a camera, so at least this way it's not as crazy if you talk to a camera and post it, and maybe fifty people look at it. So that's my mindset with that. But I'm very happy to be with you, buddy, and uh, I love everything you do, and you're a great a broadcaster, but even a better person. I appreciate that, and I, I obviously feel the same about you, my good sir, and and I believe that more than fifty people watch it and i i would rather watch you talk about sports than watch the kardashians talk about eating so i think i think i think there's some good to be had with with what you're doing and and what you're putting forward i know you do a great job and i just got to tell the world if if any if everybody looked at the world like ross Turetsky does we would all be a lot happier because you don't care what people think you don't care you know, how people react in this, that, and the other thing. You've always been yourself. You joke about things. You joke about yourself. It doesn't matter to you. So, you know, it's it's just, I think, with so many people worried about, you know, what does the world think and and why, you know, why why this and why that and why the other thing. You never do that. And, and I think that, you know, that's something that I've always kind of realized about you even more so now that, Whatever the world thinks and whatever's going on with them, you're going to be Ross Turetsky, and that's the true winning 
of of you know of people living in the world that we live in today so i mean i got to give you a shout out for that because a lot of people would be very much helped in this world if they could stop caring about what other what other what other people think yeah i think we'd have a much better world and not all the insanity so that's why i like talking to you talking about sports or movies uh, avengers movie everyone hopefully got to see that i still haven't seen it i'm probably the only person in the world that hasn't seen it but that's because i have a little baby eventually i'll get around to seeing it and things of that nature but i used to be i went to the first avengers with you at midnight screening six years ago and got to see everyone all the adults dressed like kids dressed up in their costume with a captain america shield and their little uh little speedo outfits getting ready to be superheroes and capes grown men act like kids so i'm still kind of like that i just now I'm a little bit have to be a little more grown up just because i have a little one to watch over but uh i just love talking about that stuff because it just makes me feel better when we see all the craziness in the world politics all that stuff gets nasty i like to try to avoid that as much as possible and this is a very pleasant distraction getting to talk to you oh, that stinks i thought we were going to talk about donald trump and religion today <laughs> so. and, and, you're, and you're and his buddy kim jong-un they're both in the news supposedly they're going to meet each other this month so it's going to be beautiful and i'm sure you're going to want to give a preview of that and they're your best friends supposedly no more nukes for uh, north korea and we're going to be kumbaya and dennis robin is going to officiate the wedding between trump and kim jong-un yeah, it's 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 getting a little bit uh in a little bit interesting there, but you know it, it's it when when Baker Mayfield was drafted, I will say that Donald Trump was smarter than the Browns because or, or when he heard he was going number one, he did come out and it's all fake news, it's none of it's real. They're not gonna do it. They're gonna draft Saquon Barkley. I love Saquon, Saquando, Saquando, Quando, Quando, Saquando. So I mean, you know, he was he was very much. Just as shocked as you and the president, because maybe it'll work out. He's a fiery leader. I know they're comparing him to Brett Favre. He came out the day of the draft with the replica of Brett Favre from 1991 years ago with the acid wash uh, jean shorts and uh, and the big cell phone and all that, trying to make a picture of back when Brett Favre got drafted. And they compare him to be like a little Brett Favre. It could either go really well, or no Cleveland Browns, or my New York Jets, it could go really bad, and uh, it could be a disaster. So who knows if he's the next Johnny Menzel, or Tim Couch from Cleveland, or if he'll become the next like John Elway, or Brett Favre, or, or Peyton Manning. It's yet to be seen, but yeah, it's definitely a risky pick. Oh yeah, and the, and the thing is, I don't know if Brett Favre ever grabbed his man stuff and screamed f you to somebody repeatedly on national television i know that he took a picture of his man stuff and had crocs on but i i don't know i don't know if uh you know and let's start with do you remember what tv was on when he did that my new york jets a disaster happens they forget how to play football they're washed up and then they send weird weird uh semi-nude pictures in, in pathetic crocs so i don't know what it is i guess it's the curse of my new york jets but it's, it's the jet for some odd reason the jets make you want to want to get naked in in a rocking chair with with some crocs on and scream out jenny i don't know what it is but more butt fumbles baby you know mark <laughs> sanchez everyone compared to sam darnold hopefully i'm praying to god that he's gonna be the savior of this franchise been over 40 years since Joe Namath left when they won the Super Bowl, which is now almost 50 years ago, their only Super Bowl title. And Sam Darnold's from USC. They haven't had a lot of success, USC quarterbacks in the NFL. They had Mark Sanchez, the Jets. They had early success with him, but it was mostly good running game, good defense. 
and he's now most famously now for the butt fumble on Thanksgiving when he ran right into his own offensive lineman's butt, fell backwards, lost the ball, and now I think he's actually suspended for violating the uh, performing enhancing uh, substance abuse policy or whatever for the NFL season, and he doesn't even have a team. So let's just pray that Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, all these dudes aren't going to be in that boat. But let's be honest, majority of these guys will probably be bust, and you're lucky to get one or two superstars, especially out of the quarterback, because it's very hit or miss. For every Peyton Manning, there's a Ryan Leaf in that same draft. Or in 1999, Syracuse's own uh, Don McNabb, number two pick. Number one pick was Tim Couch. Disaster. Cade McDown from UCLA. He was picked by the Bears in the first round. Disaster. Keely Smith, Joey Harrington. All in that 1999 NFL draft. The only one that really ended up being good was the, uh, Don McNabb. So it all is very hit or miss. We really have no idea. Yeah, you know, and, and and that's the thing. You know, Mark Sanchez known for the butt fumble, and, and now, you know, Mark Sanchez obviously with, you know, ha- being suspended from the league without even having a team and a, a place to call home, it, it, it's it's really, it's the, it's the downfall from a guy who people forget because when he first came out, when he first came out of college, I supported him. I said, I believe that Mark Sanchez is going to be a good quarterback. And for the first two years of his career, he went back-to-back AFC championship games. And people forget that the Jets were one step outside of going to the Super Bowl. But it's everything that happened after that. I mean, yeah, and, you know, the Jets did a horrible job in their front office. They got rid of his weapons. Dustin Keller, who is his one of his favorite weapons, the tight end, got injured. Then they let him go. They got rid of wide receivers that I watched him with. I was in camp with the Jets for five years and watched them get rid of wide receivers that were the ones that he seemed to have some comfort with. They didn't have a running game. Their offensive line was suspect. So they didn't do him any help, and they blamed him for everything. But then ultimately, as he moved forward, you know, he didn't, he couldn't, he, he did not become a starter on the teams that he was on. And now, you know, he's gotten himself in some trouble. So it's a kind of a sad demise of Mark Sanchez, but they didn't treat him right or handle him right. People say, well, Tim Tebow didn't make sense on the team, but the only time they brought Tim Tebow out was to run the ball forward, literally in a straight line, and everybody's like, oh, it's the Wildcat, and it's Tim Tebow, and put your cameras down and practice so we can't see what we're doing. But the thing is, they blame Tim Tebow for it not working. How about the fact that it was telegraphing? Every time Tim comes in, he's not going to pass the ball. You got yeah. You got to threaten to pass the ball. He's not that bad of a passer. Whether you like his mechanics or his arm strength in the NFL, he still won a whole bunch of games for the Broncos that one year. Won a playoff game against the almighty Big Ben uh, Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers at home with that uh, big touchdown pass, walk off touchdown, overtime touchdown pass. And then you're totally right. You saw him at training camp. People were taking pictures of him with his without his shirt on and all, all super jacked up and bulked up and working out. But yeah, they wouldn't let him pass the ball. He would just run right up the middle and get destroyed, maybe get a yard or two, maybe lose five yards. But you got to at least threaten a pass once in a while. He's not that bad of a pass. No, and and that's and that's the thing. I mean, I like I said, with covering the Jets, I watched the Jets just become a Broadway show and, and stop being a football team, essentially. I, I, watched, I watched the Jets firsthand in practice, you know, bring guys in like Tim Tebow to be a lightning rod and to, you know, to have guys like Geno Smith who, after he played – Syracuse and was exposed I was like I don't know if he's a he's a quarterback in the NFL and I watched him play Syracuse firsthand at you know at New Era Field for the New Era Pinstripe Bowl and I went well this guy is not a quarterback in the NFL he he's not going to be a starting quarterback he shouldn't be a starting quarterback from what I'm seeing because he played in the pillow fight 
conference of the Big 12 with no defense and had to score 70 points to hold the team off. And he could throw the ball, but when he played a good defense like Syracuse, he got exposed. And I said, I don't, I don't buy it. And then they drafted him and held on to him forever. And like I said, with Mark Sanchez, he was the scapegoat for everything. And with Tim Tebow, they telegraphed everything and pretended, oh, it's all Tim Tebow's fault. So, you know, ultimately, they haven't had a good quarterback on their team since Joe Namath, unless you want to argue Chad Pennington when he was healthy for maybe two or three seasons. But, you know, I mean, you're a Jets fan, Ross. So what can you say between Joe Namath and now Sam Darnold? Was there Has there been anything to hang your hat on as a Jets fan at the quarterback position? Very mediocre play. And the, my biggest problem, a lot of times they won't invest the top first-round pick. Uh, it's very frustrating because last year, uh, Jamal Adams is a very good safety and probably will be a pro bowler down the road for the Jets. But they could have had their hands on Deshaun Watson. Uh, they passed up on him, and he went to Houston Texans, lit the NFL up before getting injured after seven great games. And there's been a few quarterbacks they've passed up on, they've had a chance, and they've gotten other guys instead. They go defense, they go other guys. They draft quarterbacks later in the rounds. They got Geno Smith with a high second-round pick, and they kept holding on for him, holding out for hope. And the most famous thing he's known for, besides mediocre playing and injured, was actually when he got his jaw broken by his own teammate because over like a weird charity thing that they were fighting over who gave who money and who owed people money. And Rex Ryan, God knows if he screwed him up, and he left Mark Sanchez out to dry. Rex Ryan got him destroyed in a preseason game against their uh, cross their their crosstown rival New York Giants. They share the same stadium, and that was a meaningless late preseason game. He got destroyed in that game. It was never the same. And yeah, they basically haven't had much. Chad Pennington, when healthy, was decent. Didn't have a lot of arm strength, but got hurt a lot. But at least they were mediocre. But they still haven't had. What I've always wanted is I want to draft a guy, and hopefully Sam Darnold's this case. I know it's a lot of pressure on him. He's going from West Coast at USC, sunny California, to really windy, cold, snowy, crappy conditions. You know how you are in northeast Pennsylvania where I am and where you are in Syracuse and where he'll be uh, at the MetLife Stadium. It gets windy. It's bad conditions. We I watched the game against the Atlanta Falcons where it was a monsoon, basically, the Jets were playing in. And he's got to play in those conditions. There's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, back in the 80s, another thing that I'm a little nervous about with Sam Darnold is back in the 80s, in the same 1983 draft that had all these great Hall of Famers, Dan Marino, John Elway, Jim Kelly, those three great Hall of Famers, the Jets picked. He went up being decent for them. They got Ken O'Brien in that draft. They made the playoffs a few times, but never really was an elite quarterback. They picked Ken O'Brien in the first round over Dan Marino, who slipped in the NFL draft. And part of the nervous Jet fan in me is thinking, uh-oh, is Josh Rosen, as much as people think he's arrogant and people don't want to hand, deal with him, Josh Rosen slipped in the draft, went number 10. Uh, Arizona Cardinals would trade up to get him. And he, of course, was very upset by this. He said they basically made nine mistakes, the nine GMs who picked a player over him. And uh, my my nervousness is, like, will this be like the 1983 draft all over again? You could have your hands on Dan Marino. What about... As great as uh, Justin Darnold could be, what about if you pick the wrong California quarterback? What about if Josh Rosen turns out to be the great quarterback and you let him go right past you? And you know, I I understand he's arrogant. I can't I can't stand him a lot of times. But he's got a chip on his shoulder, and if he plays well and becomes the next great sensation, it'll be like 1983 all over again. You'll have gotten a mediocre quarterback like Ken O'Brien, and Dan Marino was winning the rings, a Hall of Famer. So there's gonna be a lot of pressure on Sam Darnold. He has a weight of a franchise, a city on him. The Jets have always been like the New York Mets uh, compared to the New York Yankees in baseball. They've always been 
the uh, like the stepchild in that situation in that city. It's a New York Giants football town. It's a New York Yankees baseball town. And the Mets and the Jets get whatever leftover scraps there are. When they're doing well, that people are popular. When they almost get out to the Super Bowl back-to-back years, everything was going well. But they haven't been in the playoffs since then. It's been now eight years since they've been in the playoffs. And they've had a lot of promises, a lot of mediocre play. Even back in 2015, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the year of his life, all they had to do is beat the mediocre Buffalo Bills that that year, and he imploded. They gave him tons of interceptions, and they lost that game and didn't make the playoffs. When they went 10-6 and six and still didn't make the playoffs back in 2015. Uh, so the Jets, I hoping for the best, but I fear for the worst. It's become kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy. I want the Jets to do great. I'm so glad at least they traded up from the number six pick to number three pick uh, with the Colts. And this guy, I'm hoping, I'm going to invest all, solely that this is going to be our guy. But it can't just be all on him. They need the offensive line to play well, running game. The defense needs to pick it up. And, if, you know, hopefully he will not melt under the pressure because there's be so much media, so many people who are going to uh, attack him if he slumps. And, you know, as a young quarterback, he's going to struggle. My only thing that I'm hopeful for is they got Teddy Bridgewater. They took a flower on him, but most likely I don't know how healthy he'll be from the Minnesota Vikings. But Josh McCown, who actually had a very good season. He's 39 years old. They gave him like a $10 million one-year contract. And his daughter is actually younger than Sam Darnold. And they're like about the same age, about 20 years old right now. And Josh McCown is a great team leader, and he knows what it is. He's going to start out as a starter at McCown, but he knows he's about 40. He got a $10 million payday this year. His whole job is to help get Sam Darnold ready to be the starting quarterback of the Jets for the foreseeable future. So hopefully that will be the good situation with a veteran quarterback who's not like Tom Brady, who feels threatened by a Jimmy Garoppolo stealing his job, and he's going to groom this kid. And hopefully he can handle that pressure because when he gets in, it's going to be all on him. But right now, you just got to hope for the best and fear for the worst as a Jets fan. And it's going to be all on Sam Darnold, and he's going to need all the help he can get. And if he's a special kid, then maybe he's the right guy to turn this franchise around. Or it's going to be in a few years, we're like, what the heck did we do? And we're in the same situation where we haven't had a legit franchise quarterback for for the last... 40-something years since Joe Namath left in the 70s and then won that Super Bowl. This will be the 50, uh, 50th anniversary of that Super Bowl-only Super Bowl team. And I've always said you need a draft. You go, my Peyton Manning, Tom Brady was a six-round paper. You need to get your Peyton Manning, your Tom Brady, your Don McGab. You need a quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. And unless you get that, you're usually going to be mediocre because they've only had these veteran quarterbacks that they've tried for a little while or mediocre quarterbacks. And even uh, Christian Hackenberg from Penn State, they picked him with a high second-round pick, and they've been god-awful for the last two years. He's been so bad that the coaching staff won't even let him on the field in meaningless garbage time in regular season games when they're having a bad season anyway. They think he's that bad in practice and in preseason. So, so many wasted picks, so many uh, wasted time just trying to go with veteran quarterbacks, try to piece it together for a year or two. This is our chance, and hopefully he'll get it done. But I'm definitely fearing the worst with that situation. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's the thing, you know, with – and I brought it up. You know, Bryce Petty – is a guy that, you know, plays at the end of the season as a third stringer when the Jets have injuries and, you know, McCown goes down and they've ultimately, you know, just thought, okay, well, this season's probably over, so let's put let's just put this guy in. With Christian Hackenberg, from the moment that they drafted him out of Penn State, mind you, he played Syracuse in MetLife where the Jets play at home, and so he had already played there on that field. They Got to see him firsthand. The Jets literally didn't have to send a scout anywhere. They just had to wake up in the morning and go to MetLife Stadium to see Christian Hagenberg. So he came to them. They they saw him. He played in the Northeast. He wasn't hard to get to. 
They draft Christian Hackenberg, and, for, and I don't know what it is and what happened, but from the moment that they drafted him, it was like, we hate this guy. And it was like, why did you draft him? And, you know, we you hear these rumors that he's not good in practice, that he doesn't, that, you know, he he's not doing what he needs to do, that he doesn't look good, that he's not going to be anything here, that he's not wowing the coaches, that he's not ready. He wasn't ready his first year. Then in the second year, he wasn't ready. Then we have, you know, we're down to our third quarterback. And if he goes down, we're going to play our punter like we did with Tom Tupa, or we're going to put the head coach out there because we're not going to put out Christian Hackenberg. I, I just, I, I really, I know some things bust and some things don't work out, but it seems to happen with the Jets a lot, which makes me believe that it comes down to scouting. And the second part of it is, how do you hate somebody that much that you spent money on, that you drafted? I mean, Christian Hackenberg never had a place. It, it, he never had a home in New York, and it doesn't make any sense to me. A dysfunctional organization. It, it, in many aspects, it's almost like the Tim Tebow uh, botched up job when they got him, and uh, they, they they definitely kind of screwed him over. No matter how bad they think he was, how bad could he have been? He couldn't have played in garbage, meaningless football games when they're getting crushed year after year, and they still think he's not you know, good enough to play. Yeah. So I mean, ultimately, the Jets are, are a confusing thing. But speaking here with Watt, Ross Turetsky, a good friend of mine, as well as a sports writer for the Times Leader in Northeast Pennsylvania and has his show, the DJ, DJ Roscoe uh, show, D, you know, D, K-Man and DJ Roscoe uh, it show. And, and, and also, I mean, every all the videos that Ross does and puts up here throughout the months to speak on <clears throat> what's going on in the world and having a lot of knowledge of what's going on in this sports world. And that's the that's the big thing about Ross is, yeah, I mean, number one, first and foremost, he's like a brother to me, and, and it's hard to find good people in this world. And secondly, it's it's hard to find somebody that you can call up and not have spoken to in three months and say, hey, what about that water polo matchup? And Ross is like, yeah, I saw it, and this guy was good, and this guy did this, and this guy. I mean, it's it's just the wealth of knowledge that Ross brings to the table. And speaking with that wealth of knowledge, Ross, uh, Sam Darnold, the Jets quarterback now of the future uh, Teddy Bridgewater hasn't played in almost two years so we look at Sam Darnold and, and I got to tell you watching his highlight film you know and, and seeing some seeing some of these throws that he's made I've taken away a few things from him number one he can throw in a very very tight area number two he he's he doesn't seem to be phased that much by the opposition and number three he can throw on the run I mean this man has fumbled snaps before picked up the ball, ran back 10, 15 yards, and was able to throw back to the line of scrimmage, and that guy ended up scoring because so many people were chasing after Sam Darnold and spread all over the field. So, I mean, I, I've seen Sam Darnold really, when there's a hand in his face, he looks completely calm. He looks poised in an ocean of defensive linemen. He can throw the ball on the run. He can throw the ball when he's getting pressured. He, he seems to respond well to pressure. And outside of that, like I said, he can he can make throws in tight spaces. So, you know, I mean, film-wise, the man looks like he could be something special. I know it's all prospecting right now, but if you watch Sam Darnold on film, the man, I mean, the biggest thing I took away is he, he legitimately does not look phased by pressure pretty much at all. 
Yeah, and I would I would agree with that. My only thing that I was a little nervous about, and I remember a lot of people locally love Penn State here in Northeast Pennsylvania. Uh, the 2017 Rose Bowl from two years ago, 2016 season, back in January of 2017, he lit it up. He actually was the Rose Bowl MVP, Penn State, with Saquon Barkley on the field. This was his sophomore year, and then he had the great junior year and left early. Now it could be the New York Giants. Hopefully he'll be their superstar, uh, the number two pick. Uh, they had Saquon Barkley. They had McSorley, the quarterback. Penn State had a really good season this past year, but even a better year the year before when they surprised people under James Franklin's leadership. And it was a big-time showdown in Pasadena. And at the Rose Bowl, that's where I first really took notice of Sam Darnold. He began that year in 2016 season, not even as a starter. And they were a mediocre team USC. And then as soon as he came in, uh, came in about a few games into the season, everything clicked. He started really uh, show how his prowess, throwing the ball down the field. And then in that Rose Bowl, he just lit it up. Penn State could not slow him down. And that offense was unstoppable. And USC ended up having that big Rose Bowl victory uh, back in January 2017. And then this year, everyone kind of going into the junior year thought he had a great chance to win the Heisman Trophy. You know, Baker Mayfield uh, finally won that after being a finalist for three years in a row. And everyone had expectations. He was even the number one pick. A lot of people even thought, and maybe in the end, it's going to turn out that the Cleveland Browns probably should have picked him with the number one pick. A lot of people thought the Browns were going to definitely pick him at number one. He was the most NFL-ready and ready to play from day one. And Baker Mayfield's more of a reach and could be a high risk, a high reward with Baker Mayfield. With Sam Darnold, a lot of people think you know what you're going to get. He's a stable quarterback. A lot of the coaches really think that he's the most prepared to play. Even the New York Giants, a lot of people were surprised once the Browns did not pick Darnold, they still stuck with Saquon Barkley and did not go with Darnold because a lot of people think Darnold is the quarterback of the future. And now the Jets in the same building as the Giants, same city as the Giants, are going to have to see Darnold, if he does really well, try to uh, basically embarrass the Giants for not picking him. Uh, and as great as Saquon Barkley might be at running back, he might be like the next Le'Veon Bell, hopefully not as much of a head case with all the trouble he's gotten into with his great ability to catch the screen passes, running the ball, on and, uh, running the ball with uh, both uh, rushing it and catching those little passes, going for long, uh, long gains. Uh, but the big problem is Eli Manning is 37 years old, and they're banking a lot on, Odell Beckham Jr. being healthy and not being a head case. Uh, Shepard, Ingram, the tight end, and now Saquon Barkley. But Eli Manning, he's your quarterback, and he's getting older. So in the near future, and they benched him already last year, and that was a mess. And Geno Smith came in that, and that was a disaster with Ben McAdoo before he got fired. Uh, Sam Darnold could have been your successor. Now he's not. Now he's the Jets quarterback. So that's another interesting uh, facet about it. My only thing that I was a little worried about is this year, with a lot of pressure on him to be the number one pick and a Heisman Trophy candidate, he turned over the ball a lot this year. A lot of interceptions, some fumbles, and he was not, he was a little careless with the football, which definitely gives me some uh, some worries as a, as a big fan of the Jets. And It's not, as I said, going to be pleasant conditions a lot of times he's going to play in. to be some bad weather. So I'm hoping he can find a way to be a little bit better with the ball. He's definitely a lot more accurate than Josh Allen who had, uh, has a lot of problems, never mind the Twitter controversy that came out the night before the draft. But the, with him, uh, Sam Darnold showed that he has a few a few problems with just holding on to the ball. A lot of fumbles, some costly interceptions. He took a few more risks this year and kind of got exposed a little bit. But I still think that uh, he can learn from that, and I still think he has a great arm. And definitely, as you said, he can fit the ball into tight little spaces. But just once in a while, I think he tries to fit into too many tight spaces with double and triple coverage, and that gets into trouble. He's a little too confident in his uh, great throwing arm. But I have a lot of hope for him. And as a Jets fan, it's basically this is going to be our guy or it's going to be a disaster for the next decade. So I'm hoping this is our guy. 
And I, uh, besides, I want to hear your ideas about that. When you were talking about Tim Tebow at the beginning of the show, what I was thinking about is how about Lamar Jackson, a guy who won the Heisman Trophy two years ago, and a lot of people said, you're not an NFL quarterback. We don't think you could throw the ball in this league and all that, your size and all. And then supposedly it was controversy that his mother was his agent that didn't want him to work out for certain teams or, and wouldn't even answer the phone for certain teams. And the Baltimore Ravens traded up with the 32, 32nd pick, last pick of the first round with the Eagles. And the Baltimore Ravens got themselves Lamar Jackson to be Joe Flacco's backup, even though they got Robert Griffin III after being out in the NFL. And will Lamar Jackson, that's my big question for you, will Lamar Jackson, you've seen him play, uh, playing for Louisville, was a Heisman Trophy winner, will he get a legit chance to play in the NFL? He's a first-round pick, just barely. And a lot of people were trying to say, oh, maybe he should just be a wide receiver, change position, positions. And just like Tim Tebow, though, and he might be a lot more talented than T- Tebow throwing-wise, Tebow, uh, as a former Heisman Trophy winner, great college quarterback, said, I don't want to change positions. It's quarterback or nothing. And now he's playing double-A baseball for the Binghamton uh, New York Mets franchise. And will Lamar Jackson, will he have the same problems? Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing. Speaking here with Ross Tretzky, a sports writer, a good friend here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, wakeupcalldt.com, as well as mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Uh, Ross asking the question about uh, my thoughts on Lamar Jackson having covered him and interviewed him over the last uh, few seasons here with him with the Louisville Cardinals. Just spoke with his former head coach Bobby Petrino about him a couple weeks ago and what a team's getting if they're getting Lamar Jackson. Uh, I will say this about Baltimore, and I had a uh, deep conversation about this with with uh, John Newman of Newman Sports Cards, who does a, a special sports card segment with me, and we'll be back here this Friday. We were talking last night, you know, just man-to-man about Lamar Jackson, and and I said over and over again, I said, look at the setup right now. If you go to the roster of the Baltimore Ravens, and, and I just I want people to, to just take this in and, and realize something here about, you know, will Lamar Jackson get his chance? I, I want to take a look at where things are at right now, and then I also would like to uh, mention Joe Flacco as far as his contract details and and how much money he costs the team because there's something to be said about the situation that we're in right now. And and so Ross asked, you know, do you think that's that, you know, Lamar's gonna get a fair shake in Baltimore? And I do and I also look at the fact now Joe Flacco right now, his base salary for two thousand eighteen is twelve million dollars. His signing bonus breakdown is eight million dollars, four point seven five for the option. He counts as a $24.75 million cap hit against the Baltimore Ravens next year. He goes from $12 million base salary to $18.5 million plus the $8 million signing bonus. His potential out is in 2020. It was a four-year $80.5 million deal to bring this man on. He counts almost $27 million against the cap next season now with that being said the Ravens year by year and what they've done lately now I know that Joe Flacco has gone to a Super Bowl and played against Colin Kaepernick who imploded during the Super Bowl and so did the Niners and what I think was a a total conspiracy with Beyonce when he when she shut all the lights off but (laughs) but when you look at the Baltimore Ravens in all honesty I mean Baltimore played really well but we look at the Baltimore Ravens and, and, and what and what they've done. They won the Super Bowl in 2012. 
In 2013, they didn't make the playoffs. In 2014, they lost in the divisional round. In 2015, 16, 17, 18, they haven't made the playoffs. So since winning the Super Bowl, they haven't made the playoffs in five out of the last six years. And the only time they made it, they lost their first game. So so they have not done well. And, and we know that, you know, as, as you look at this six-year span and say, where are we at right now? And, and where is this team going? I want you to now take all this into account. No playoffs for five of the last six years since winning the Super Bowl. The only time they went, they lost their only game. So take that, put that in your pocket. Secondly, Joe Flacco's count against the cap, and if he's with the team next year, it's $27 million. Right now, he's counting $24.75 million against the cap. So take that into account. Thirdly, take this into account. Michael Crabtree comes over from Oakland. He's a new wide receiver to Baltimore. John Brown from Arizona is a new wide receiver to Baltimore. Willie Sneed from New Orleans is a new wide receiver to Baltimore. Hayden Hurst is a new tight end out of the draft. Mark Andrews is a new tight end out of the draft. Alex Collins was not respected to be the starting man, and now he's the starting man at the running back position. So, just hear me and hear me now. And there's a man on the staff who coached Michael Vick. So, Look at the big picture and the notion of John Harbaugh almost being fired after last season, not making the playoffs. So put this all together. One more thing, Dan. What about as much as he might be a head case and didn't play football last year, Robert Griffin III is quite, at least when he started, was quite a uh, mobile running quarterback. Was he maybe just brought in just to make, could he help out a Lamar Jackson? Would he be willing to help out a Lamar Jackson? Or will he be selfish just and just want to make sure that he has a spot on the team? Because I don't think he has much of a future with the Ravens, but they brought him Robert Griffin III. Maybe he could actually find a way to help Lamar Jackson. Right. So we look at, so Ross brings up another point. So this is all leading to Joe Flacco is not cheap. Okay. And I have nothing against Joe Flacco. Like Mark Sanchez, when he was a rookie, I backed him out of Delaware and I said, I don't know. I trust my vibe. I think he's going to be good. I thought him and Matt Ryan were going to be good. And they both, you know, carried that out as, as rookies going to the playoffs. And Joe Flacco has a Super Bowl ring and I'm not going to discount him for any of that stuff. I'm just stating a fact. Okay. What I'm talking about is change. Joe Flacco, five of the last six years, no playoffs. The only playoffs they lose in it. They have three new wide receivers, arguably their top three in the depth chart. They have two new tight ends, arguably their top two in the depth chart. Alex Collins is taking over the running game, at least he should. Lamar Lamar Jackson was drafted. Robert Griffin III, another running mobile quarterback, was drafted. The coaching staff has the guy that coached Michael Vick on the staff. So we are ripe right now for a changing of the guard and a changing of the system. And I know this might sound crazy to some people, but just roll with me on the reality of this and how the chips are falling. You have a coach on your staff who coaches Michael Vick. You bring in Robert Griffin III. You you trade up to get Lamar Jackson get back in the first round. You right now have all of your skill players at the wide receiver position and tight end position, new guys to the team. Why teach them a system with a non-mobile Joe Flacco and have them all learn the system. Michael Crabtree, who's never played for Baltimore. John Brown, Willie Sneed, never played for Baltimore. Mark Andrews, as well as Hayden Hurst, never played for Baltimore. Robert Griffin III never played for Baltimore. Why bring all of them in, teach them a Flacco stationary system for a year or two, 
and then transfer them all to a Lamar Jackson system. It makes perfect sense with a changing of the wide receiver guard, a changing of the tight end guard, a changing of the running back guard, to have a changing of the quarterback guard, have Robert Griffin be a teacher and a tutor to Lamar, have the staff teach and do what they did with Michael Vick and change right now so every single person will come onto this team, veteran and rookie, and learn the same system at the same time. Yeah, my, actually, my only surprise was that the New England Patriots, because they could have gotten Lamar Jackson two different times in late first round. They had two late first round picks, and they passed on him because supposedly, as much as Brady, the rumors were that he kind of pushed Jimmy Garoppolo out of town and forced the Patriots trade away, and he's done great for the 49ers, uh, that they had they had coaches, including Josh McDaniels, who screwed over the Indianapolis Colts with their head coaching job earlier in the offseason, go down uh, to what uh, to watch Lamar Jackson and scout him throughout this uh, draft process. And they, they allegedly were looking into a quarterback, and the Patriots were interested. In the end, they picked a, I think LSU's quarterback with a, with the last round, the seventh round pick. So not really a high draft pick. But I was actually a little surprised that the Patriots. Everything you heard was that they would maybe take a flyer on Lamar Jackson in the first round because they had two late first round picks. You know, if they weren't going to trade up to get a, even a higher pick than that in the first round. So I was a little surprised the Patriots didn't do that with their picks. And uh, Lamar Jackson was still there waiting. And then the Ravens traded with the Eagles and got their guy. So Ozzie Newsom, the great uh, uh, Cleveland, uh, was a Cleveland Brown star player years ago, and now been the Baltimore Ravens GM for over two decades. This is his last NFL draft. And maybe this will be his legacy if he ends up leaving uh, the Baltimore Ravens better than he left them. And he's won two Super Bowls as their GM. And maybe Lamar Jackson, after 10 years of Joe Flacco, might be the change in the guard that Ozzie Newsom was looking to leave the team with and the legacy he wants to leave behind. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like I said, I mean, that's that's what I'm looking at right now. I'm looking at the fact that, you know, that, you know this is Ozzie's swan song. Could be John Harbaugh's swan song. You know, and, and you've and you you it's just it's set up to it's set up to be that it's set up that Lamar Jackson is going to learn with Michael Crabtree, John Brown, Willie Sneed, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, all at the same time. And why would you mess with that and say no, 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 no we're gonna we're gonna do all this with Joe Flacco, we're gonna teach you all this system. Then you all stick around next year. We're going to teach you a totally new system. It's going to take a year to get that system in or two. So then we'll be good in the next four years. So, I mean, you can argue that Joe Flacco, it's just not working. And why not Lamar Jackson? Why not right now? But like I said, I look at it from a coaching standpoint. If I'm going to have a complete install of a new offensive system, why not do it at the time where all my vets and all my rookies that are new to the team are going to learn it at the same time? It makes perfect sense to teach them all at the same time instead of having one guy learn and another guy not and this guy this and 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 telling Lamar, "Hey, watch everything we're doing this year, but we're going to change it all next year." So you're not going to you're going to watch and you're going to learn and you're going to grow, but we're not using this offense next year. So, I mean, for me, I, I think it makes perfect sense to teach everybody the same thing at the same time and move forward from Joe Flacco as much as I like him. I mean, that's that's how I look at it. Do, do, is there anything that you would say, I mean, are, are there holes in that argument? I mean, do you think that that, that doesn't make sense to go to Lamar Jackson and let him coach it or let, let him run it? The only thing I think we'd have, because they're always in a heated rivalry with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and 
even if they might try to do a rebuild with a new quarterback, they're going to try to compete for that division title with the Steelers. They've fallen short by just a game or two each of the last couple of seasons. Uh, two years ago on Christmas Day, it was Antonio Brown. We're reaching his arm over the the uh, the goal line to get that touchdown to beat them, to knock them out of the playoffs. I think the only thing that would stop it is that I think John Harbaugh, he's going to be coaching for his job. That pot, I think they'll at least definitely begin the year. Definitely as Joe Flacco's the starting quarterback. He's been the, their quarterback for 10 years. And if they're doing well, I'm sure they'll stick with him for a while. But I still think this is most likely to be uh, Flacco's last year as their starter. I think he'll be a starter elsewhere in the league. And ever since, basically, he's had a good career. But really, he made the bulk of that massive contract, the big money, after they won that Super Bowl. Once they won that Super Bowl, as you said, he's been very mediocre. The Ravens have been very pedestrian-like. And he's getting way overpaid for just being a decent, solid quarterback. But he's getting paid like one of the all-time greats. And I know contracts are crazy. Jimmy Garoppolo's getting paid insane money for only playing seven games and going 7-0 and between the 49ers and the uh, New England Patriots. And he's barely played. But still, he's not, he's getting paid Joe Flacco like a Tom Brady, like a Peyton Manning would, like uh, Aaron Rodgers would. He's getting overpaid. I definitely agree with you. I just think they'll... They'll see how this season goes. I think if they start to falter throughout this year, they'll make the change during the season. But I think they'll hold on to Flacco for this year and hope it works out. But during the year, if it starts to struggle, and no matter what I think at the end of this year, I think they make the change with all those new play- people in place. And I, as I said, I think Ozzie Newsom, this is his uh, his legacy he's going to leave behind. Whether he's good or not in the NFL, and hopefully they said he has much better arm strength than what Te- Tebow showed. And I thought Tebow was better than what people gave him credit for. Uh, let's see what he can do. He's a fast guy. Won the Heisman Trophy. You helped, you covered him in college uh, with with, your, with Louisville. I think he'll be pretty good. Uh, I think a lot of people make it seem like he's either going to be Michael Vick on the field, very talented player, just got injured a few times, or he could be a disaster on the field and not and have to mm-hmm. switch positions. Right now, he's being very uh, stubborn. He doesn't seem to want to switch positions. And that would be my last point with that is, what are your thoughts about that? Will it come back to bite him like Tebow? Do you respect his wishes that he's as, he says, at least for now, I'm either going to make it as quarterback or I don't want to do anything else? Uh, you saw that ends up hurting people sometimes. Or sometimes you see like Cordell Stewart back in the day, who was the original slash for the Steelers. He was willing to switch uh, roles and would go back and forth between quarterback, wide receiver, other positions. He's kind of limited himself, but I got to respect the guy. He has great confidence in his ability, and uh, that's what you need to be if you're going to be the general on the field, be the quarterback, be the leader. He's either going to make it as a quarterback or he's not going to make it at all in the NFL. That would be my only interesting point is, with, do you think that he's kind of hurting his chances in the league by limiting himself to only quarterback? No, you know, I, I don't think so right now. I mean, I think Lamar Jackson is a leader. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson has has a lot to offer. I think that there's a lot to be said about what he is capable of doing. So, you know, in, in my opinion, I I don't look at Lamar Jackson like I look at Tim Tebow. They're two different players. And and Lamar Jackson, I mean, this is a guy who's who's done some, you know, amazing, amazing things on the field, and he's a different player from Tim I think Tim, I still to this day would put Tim Tebow in my locker room. I don't care what people say. I think that I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he, you know, I think he's a great leader. I think he does good things. I think he could have been helped out if he switched to tight end. He would have 
he would have lasted, you know, I, I and and continue to maybe still be here in the NFL if he could be. I an, agree with that. I totally agree with that. It probably for Tebow would have worked out if he would have switched positions. But uh, you know, in the end, he wanted to make it as that or nothing. But but as you said, he's a great person on and off the football field, and that's big too. Uh, Lamar Jackson, though, you you got to cover him in college. I I thought he has a decent arm. I th- I don't think his arm. I know he's electrifying running quarterback. He can run the ball great with some of the high flying, highlight real plays he made. But I think he can throw the ball pretty well. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing about Lamar. Like I said, he's a different quarterback. I mean, he 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 does different things than Tim Tebow. Uh, he is he is. He is a lot. You know, I like Tim Tebow, and I like what Tim can do. And Tim, Tim's a winner. You know, Tim found ways to win. But Lamar Jackson, I mean, he has everything that you want. I mean, he he's he's like that, okay, uh, you know, Robert Griffin didn't work. I mean, there's Robert Griffin that's tried to do it, and Donovan McNabb, and Randall Cunningham, and Colin Kaepernick at times, and this, and that. But the thing about Lamar Jackson is he is, he is one of those potential, you know, once-in-a-lifetime type of guys and, you know, I, I just feel like I just feel like what he can do and what he can bring forward are, are really something special. I think he's going to get an opportunity. I think he's going to be able to lead a team. I think he's going to make Baltimore pretty, pretty, pretty nasty. I don't think people are going to want to face, you know, Baltimore as much. And you know what? I just look at it like this. I mean, if you want to connect with Baltimore, you know, Baltimore, the old Cleveland Browns became the Ravens, and then the new Cleveland Browns will have Joe Flacco as their quarterback after this season. So with that being said, we're going to take a step aside and come back with some Baker Mayfield talk in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. It's different. We we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so, you know, I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick Fil A restaurant. And then lastly. The impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza. 
where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formal Wear. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice when buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. We also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or HondaCity-CNY.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop at Honda City. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Folks, you know every time he pops into the show, yes I do, and he tries to make his appearance known, not fake news. So he has something to say before we talk about Baker Mayfield. I guess, I guess President Trump has something to say on today's show. I just want to let everybody know, okay? Nobel Peace Prize, Nobel Peace Prize. First and foremost, just you got to listen, okay? You got to take it in. You got to drink it in. Whether you like me or not, this is a sports-related theme conversation, and that's why I'm going to say it, okay? The Korean War has lasted, like, I don't know, 150 years, something. I want to poll all of America because Dan didn't even know. I didn't. That's true. I didn't know. I had no idea. Nobody knew the Korean War was still going on. It's been going on for like 40 or 50 years, okay? And as long as the Korean War has been going on, okay, and it's been a travesty, tragic and horrible, it's ending before the Cleveland Browns end their horrible history. Oh, well, you know what? That's something he's not wrong about, Ross. The Korean War will end before the Cleveland Browns are good again. I think that that's true. I think that that's accurate. Well, that's before they win their first game in two seasons. That's very possible. The war might be over before the Browns finally win a game after going winless last year. One final thing, one final thing, okay? Grabbing his nuts and saying, F you, and all these things. Baker Mayfield, very similar to Kim Jong-un. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, you don't tell anybody that I'm the same as him, okay? That's a disrespectful comment. Kim Jong, you're affected by people thinking you're like Baker Mayfield? That offends you that some... Oh, yeah. I play football better than him. You just asked Dennis Wadman. Okay. Well, you know, we need to get back to... How about we ask your uncle that you fed <laughs> you fed the dogs? Because he didn't applaud loud enough for you at a speech. Let's let's try to ask your uncle. <laughs> you can't ask my uncle. He's six feet under like the Cleveland Browns. Okay, we need to, okay, we need to move on. We're going to move on, guy. We can't... Okay, this is not... This is not... Okay. But you know what? I have a rally. For, I have a parade for him. Okay, well, that's fine. That's like the Browns. No, it's not. It's not like the, we don't have parades for dead people that we put in the ground ourselves. You got no proof. And so we're going to move on. So Baker Mayfield, Ross. Now, spice up every show. now that we've gotten that, which you know what? I can't. 
I'm honestly going to say this. I can't disagree that the Korean War is probably going to end before the Cleveland Browns are good again. See, like I told you, not fake news, exclusive, always on wake-up call. Donald Trump out. Peace. Drop the mic. See you later. Bye. So, you know, it's it's, but it is. I mean, Baker Mayfield, the number one pick. Let's let's go here with Baker Mayfield since I've I've went a little bit ham on the situation since last Friday. Baker Mayfield, okay, first and foremost, whether you like him, don't like him, think he's a good quarterback, don't think he's a good quarterback, here's the truth of the matter. They could have gotten him with the fourth pick, okay? Yeah. Sam Darnold's there. Josh Rosen's there. Josh Allen's there. Sam, I, 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 there there's, okay, everybody's there. You could have had Barkley. You could have had, if you wanted, I think you could have gotten, taken Saquon as a running back, who I think no matter what would be pretty good. And then all the quarterbacks are kind of a crapshoot. They could either be really good or really bad. Right. You still could have had one of those pretty good quarterbacks at number four. I think you could have had both. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that I said the safest bet for Cleveland was to draft number one, Saquon Barkley, arguably the best player in the draft. Number two, or, And then with the fourth overall pick, to draft Bradley Chubb, my dude that I covered from NC State at defensive end, and that would help you out on both sides of the ball. Now, I said what they'll probably do is draft Saquon Barkley, if they're smart, and draft a quarterback at four. What they ended up doing, which was just when I thought the Cleveland Browns, and I said this on the show, just when I said for the first time since 1999 in their return, the first time in 19 years did I utter the words, the Cleveland Browns are smart right now, I should have known in that moment, just like an ex-girlfriend that you try to date 13 times, it's not going to work out. I thought they were intelligent. They proved me wrong again that they are. I said, just when you go and get smart, the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns themselves, and they drafted a cornerback that they could have gotten with the 11th, 12th, 15th pick. No offense to Denzel Ward, but he he, he wasn't going to go that high. So they had that. They could have got, they could have gotten any quarterback. I mean, the the thing is there's five quarterbacks in the first round. They could have gotten any single one of them. And like you said, it's a crapshoot. They could have gotten any single one of these quarterbacks by waiting a half a millisecond. You didn't have to draft one with the first pick. It's the total Cleveland Browns thing to do. You draft Saquon Barkley. You wait to see what the Giants do, which I think it would have thrown them into a tizzy. You wait to see what the Jets do. And then you're going to end up with one of the Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson. More than likely... Baker Mayfield would have been available at number four if you desperately needed him. And to all the people that say, well, Dan, they didn't need a running back. They got Carlos Hyde. They have Duke Johnson Jr. They didn't need to draft a running back. I would throw back at you, then why in the hell at the top of the second round did they draft Nick Chubb out of Georgia? Yeah. That's... Saquon is supposedly a transcendent type running back where he could be, as I said, like a Le'Veon Bell, who not only could just run the ball really well... He can return punts and kick returns. He can catch little screen passes that are two-yard passes and take the house for 80 yards down the field for a touchdown. So that's the other thing. And he probably, almost everyone could agree, most people can't agree on anything in this country or in the NFL, but in the NFL draft, almost everyone can agree. He most likely is 99% sure that he's going to be the best player in this draft. And, you know, and that's why the Giants ended up going with him. 
and were willing to just stick with Eli Manning and not pick another quarterback to replace him because he could be a transcendent figure. If you're Cleveland and you're trying to get butts back in the in the seats and your loyal fans who've been suffered years and years of losing, why not take Saquon? And you could still draft a quarterback uh, three picks later with the fourth pick. You could have Quando, Quando, Quando. Yeah, apparently he hasn't left. But continue, Ross. I'm sorry. <laughs> he just chilled. Yeah, he's just chilling out, enjoying the show. Yeah. No, that's my mindset. That. In the end, if Baker Mayfield does great, then then fine. But you're not going to know this for a little bit. But I was telling you <clears throat> during the break, I don't think this is going to go anywhere in between. I think it's going to be one of these two extremes. He's either going to be really good and the fiery Brett Favre leader that they're hoping for, and their GM John Dorsey, uh, he invested in. Whereas well, he kept it a secret for six weeks. He knew that that's the guy he wanted. And basically no one in the league knew until about basically the day before the draft. People were like, what the heck do you mean that Baker Mayfield's going to be the number one pick? People thought, oh, maybe he might be like 11th or 12th pick that he was going to slip to like Miami or Arizona or teams like that later in the first round. Yeah, I thought that he would go to Miami or Buffalo with 11 and 12. Yeah, so the idea that he went number one and supposedly they kept it secret for six weeks he knew about it. Uh, I don't think it's going to be where he's just going to be an in-between quarterback. He's either going to be really good and the, the Brett Favre fiery leader that they're hoped for and the, with great play, or he's going to be a train wreck. He'll be a disaster. He maybe has a little bit better arm strength than Jai Menzel, and maybe Jai Menzel has acknowledged he has bi- he's bipolar, he has a lot of he has drug and alcohol issues. And maybe Baker Mayfield doesn't have quite those issues. But Baker Mayfield, he planted the flag right in the Ohio State horseshoe logo right when they got their win to redeem their loss year before. And that upset a lot of people. He did the crotch grab against uh, crappy Kansas in college football. Got himself, uh, got himself suspended for a half of, uh, of play in a game this year. Russ, and then, Russ, Russ, I have to say, I have to say something really he quick got here. He got tased. Russ, he got I have to say something God. really quick here. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> He always has to say, excuse me, excuse me. That that makes it okay to interrupt people if you just yell, excuse me. Yeah. No, 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 I'm going to say the Cleveland Browns are now like a Snickers chock full of nuts. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. So, like I said, I, I that's what it could be. I think he is, you know, I almost think he has the Napoleon complex. I think a lot of shorter stature people. I don't want to, to make fun of any, you know, everyone who's a little bit shorter because I'm not the tallest of people myself. But he has a little bit of that Napoleon thing where he seems to want to um, to really show off how good he is and be a fiery leader and show that arrogance. And I said that has helped him because this is a guy who walked onto two teams. He was originally, I think they said he went to Texas Tech. That didn't work out there. I think uh, Mahomes ended up the, now the quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he ended up having the starting job over uh, Baker Mayfield. And then he went, he walked on to Oklahoma and is now the first number one draft pick to ever be a walk-on to a college football team. And he did that twice. And then he ended up being a finalist for the Heisman Trophy three times. Finally won the Heisman Trophy this year. But as you said, the Big 12 where he played, they, that's where they have Texas Tech quarterbacks and Jai Menzel with Texas A&M who light it up and throw like 70 touchdown passes a year because no one plays defense in the Big 12. So he lit it up in the Big 12 conference, but against tougher competition, he started to show some cracks. Against Georgia in that Rose Bowl uh, national playoff game, he struggled at times. He threw some costly interceptions and turnovers and made some poor choices on the field. And I still think his arm strength, though it might be better than Johnny Menzel with the clean bounce messed up on, I think it's still mediocre. He's still a short quarterback, and he tries to fit the ball into too many tight spots, and he doesn't quite have the strength that I think Sam Darnold has to be able to do that. And I think it's either going to go where 
he somehow shocks the world and is that great quarterback for Cleveland? Or knowing Cleveland and their crappy history in their organization, and I'll admit that's what my Jets organization is. I fear the worst that no matter what they'll do, Sam Darnold will be a bust. He he's going to most likely go the other way, where it's just be a train wreck. It'll be entertaining. It'll be must-watch television. But I think he's going to turn the ball over a lot. They're going to lose a lot, and he's going to end up being cursing at media and be a. I think he's going to be a head case. I think that's what's going to end up happening. Yeah, and I, and I agree. You know, I like I like I said. You know, it's the pillow fight. It's the pillow fight conference where you know we all we all tap each other with pillows and we giggle and we have a good time in the Big Twelve. And the thing is, there's talent in the Big Twelve. I'm not trying to say there's not talent. There's just no defense. That's why teams struggle. That's why West Virginia is not as relevant as they used to be when they were part of the Big East. There is no defense. And the thing about Baker Mayfield is, yes, his character comes into question. And no worries, he's only the leader of the team. You're only the quarterback. The big, the, the arguable, the arguable on every single of one of the 32 NFL franchises, your quarterback is your leader. Arguably, that is your leader. That is your person. That is your beacon. That is your go-to. So your beacon is grabbing his nuts, saying "f you" on national television. Your beacon is getting himself in trouble with the law. Your beacon does not have the best mechanics. Your beacon's long ball doesn't look the greatest. Your beacon throws the ball high, which could be because of his stature and he wants to throw it. So he overcompensates and throws a ton of high. I mean, his highlight film of his best throws, nine out of 10 of them are high throws where the receiver always has to reach up toward his head or above his head. These aren't going to the receiver's chest. You're not hitting them in the numbers. You're hitting them over his head. So I mean, you got to. I mean, you give it up to Baker Mayfield. How about giving it up to all of his receivers? How about giving it up to all the guys in Oklahoma that had great hands and great reaction when they caught the ball behind themselves or on their back shoulder that they were able to turn around and run for a touchdown? The highlight film of Baker Mayfield does not look like the highlight film of Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold said, "I'm leading you down the field. I'm going to throw the ball. Go score a touchdown." Baker Mayfield threw the pass and was like, hey, once you catch this, if you catch it, because I didn't throw it in the right place or I threw it too high, now you got to make the moves after the fact. I think the Baker Mayfield highlight reel is a great highlight reel for Mark Andrews of Oklahoma and the receiving core. So with Baker, you're getting a guy who has a similar attitude, it seems like, to Johnny Manziel. You're getting a guy who throws his ball a little bit too high. You're getting a guy whose arm strength kind of in question a little bit, his character is in question, and you're the Cleveland Browns, who, mind you, Ross, let's let's make a parallel. The last time five quarterbacks were taken in the first round of the NFL draft was in 1999. That was the year the Cleveland Browns came back. They drafted Tim Couch number one overall. So if Baker Mayfield doesn't work out, that shows you 19 years of being back in the NFL and learning absolutely nothing about drafting a quarterback number one overall. And that's the sick part of it. I think they've played the most quarterbacks. I read a stat. They've played the most quarterbacks. It's coming back since 1999. And this will be the end of the 20th season. This coming up season will be since they've returned. They've had the most quarterbacks play in at least one game for their team since coming back. They just, and when you have teams like Tom Brady and the Patriots, who have the same guy year after year, Eli Manning plays every single game. And then you have the Cleveland Browns, where there's no stability, and they have to go through 30 quarterbacks in a span of 20 years. Right. And, that, and that's the thing, as we look at this. And, and where the team, and like I said, I hope Baker Mayfield is great. I hope that he learns how to be a man. I hope that he doesn't go in Johnny Manziel's footsteps. I hope well, that he leads this team. That's my question. I hope for it too, but I want to watch it. Let's see TV. But we'll yeah. Get- okay. If, I, if I'm at the roulette table, if I'm at the roulette table 
and 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 red is on Baker being successful and black is on him not, I'm putting all my chips on black. Maybe one chip on red, but I'm putting nine of them. And that's the thing. Whenever somebody says, well, you think this or you think that, you, you came up with a great point, Ross, when you said, what would you bet on? What would you put your money on? And if you ask me today, if I would put my money on Baker Mayfield being successful or a bust, I would put the majority of my money. If I had to put, if they said you got to go all in on one or the other, without question, I'm all in on him being a bust because I'm not going to put $100,000, $10,000, $15 on thinking that he's going to be a phenom. If it's phenom or bust, you brought up a great point. Where do you put your money on it? Sam Darnold, where do you put your money on it? I'm caught in between with Sam Darnold. I, I don't know because it's another USC quarterback coming coming across country to the Jets like Mark Sanchez did. But, you know, I look at a guy like Josh Rosen and I say he could be something special, but he's got a bad attitude. If I was going to put my – here's the crazy thing. If I was going to put my money on any quarterback drafted in the first round of this year's NFL draft, this might make people go crazy – but, but if you put, yeah, if you told me right now, you got to put $10,000 worth of chips at Turning Stone Casino on Lamar Jackson, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, or Josh Rosen, if you told me I had to put all my chips on one of those five, I'm putting all my chips on Lamar Jackson. Isn't that a crazy thing? And he was drafted 32 of the first 32. And it might be, but, you know, he actually probably had the most accomplished college football career. And he might actually be the guy who could do the most. If he could actually stay healthy, run in and throw the ball without getting hurt. A lot of those running quarterbacks like Michael Vick and Bobby Griffin III, they get banged up because of all the, the the big hits they take. If he could stay healthy and play that game and also be able to be a good pocket passer and still have that speed outside of the pocket, <clears throat> he, you might have it right there. <clears throat> my my two, two quarterbacks that I'd be also interested with your point of view, because we both kind of agree that Baker Mayfield could be great, but also most likely is going to be a bust. What are your thoughts on Josh Rosen? Was the big chip on his shoulder, and he uh, he supposedly became good friends with Aaron Rodgers, who also had a big chip on his shoulder and got passed on by a lot of teams in the 2005 draft. And Alex Smith was picked number one. It was a good quarterback, but Aaron Rodgers much better. Uh, will he be the Aaron Rodgers route? Even though Aaron Rodgers had to sit for a few years behind Brett Favre and then took over and became a great quarterback. But will Josh Rosen use that chip on his shoulder and that arrogance and become an all-time great, or is it gonna? He's going to implode behind it where he wants to prove so many people wrong. He makes so many mistakes. Plus, he has an injury history with all concussions and shoulder injuries. And I also don't like that a lot of players, even your guy on your Jaguars uh, the year before, Leonard Fournette and McCaffrey, and a lot of these guys, their bowl games now when they're going to go to the NFL draft are sitting out. And Josh Rosen did that because of his injury history, and that annoys me. And I have a lot of respect for Saquon Barkley and Sam Darnold, who played in their bowl games. And Sam Darnold struggles against Ohio State in his bowl game. Saquon Barkley played great in his bowl win against Washington. And I respect those guys who put their bodies on the line and don't screw over their college teammates and say, I'm too good for you. i got to worry about my uh, status at the next level in the NFL. They played in their bowl games. Josh Rosen did not, which also annoys me. So I would love to hear your thoughts about Josh Rosen. Now going to Arizona, they have Sam Bradford and Mike Glennon and all that. Replacing Carlson Palmer, and they still have no Bruce Arians as coach. Still have Larry Fitzgerald, who's older but very talented, and also Josh Allen, not an accurate passer from Wyoming, but a lot of people say he could be the next Carson Wentz from a small college, maybe Big Ben Roethlisberger, who went to Miami, Ohio, great player, big, big, strong guy outside the pocket, can run and throw the ball. 
Or will he be a disaster because he was not very accurate in college? If you're not an accurate you know, passer in college, what will your chance to be in the NFL? Plus, he has the tweets from, yes, he was a child, but it proves us right now. No matter what you do, if you're going to say something stupid, do not tweet or post it online because eventually someone will find it. And whether you believe that stuff now or in the past, you're going to get discovered. And it was idiotic to do it now. And be careful what the hell you post. Because, you know, yes, it was fishy that it came out the night before the draft, but that was another disaster. And he might have some problems because he's going to be playing with a lot of African-American teammates. And if things go bad, it might, it might get very hostile in that locker room because people might start to question uh, where his mindset is. Yeah, you know, when we're talking about the Joshes, Josh Rosen and Josh Allen, I'd be happy to respond to this, and I will do it right after that. Right, right after this fast break on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. This is what we call a hook, folks. We'll be back after the break with Josh Allen and Josh Rosen comments. This is a Wake Up Call fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We are here with Ross Turetsky, sports writer of the, the the Northeast PA area, but a little bit of everything that Ross does. So I want to uh, I want to thank Ross for everything that he does with his broadcast that he has, as well as working with the Times Leader. Uh, journalist for the Times Leader, as well as a co-host, writer of the K-Man and Roscoe Show, uh, stand-up comedian as well, and an even better person here with me on the line. Before the break, Ross asked me what my thoughts are on Josh Squared, which is Josh Rosen and Josh Allen, and I'm going to start my conversation off with Josh Allen. Okay, first and foremost, I talked about this on the show. You know that I'm a character person. It's all about character, and, and, and that's paramount, and that's first and foremost to anything that I have. So we all know how I feel about character. And with that being said, Josh Allen, you know, made some comments as a child, whatever. The thing about social media 
and about the internet. And, you know, you know, I know a lot about the internet because that's how you listen and that's how you connect with the show in, in like, you know, so many different areas, seven, 10 different areas you can listen to the show. So I know this internet and I learn every day. I don't know everything. I'm never going to know everything. One thing I do know though, is that you can't go and say something and say, oh, well, it got erased. Oh, it doesn't, it doesn't exist anymore. You can't tell. And, and, you know, that's the thing about the internet is that, you know, people want to say, oh, well, you know, it's over and people don't know. I mean, I posted it. I deleted it. Once you put it in the internet, it's there forever. It's something, it's like, think about the mind of a Jewish or Italian mother. Once you say it, she never forgets it. Even if you tell her you're sorry, even though, even if you wrote it down on a piece of paper and you rip up the piece of paper, your Jewish mother, your Italian mother will never forget. Ross can attest to this. I can as well. So, you know, with Josh Allen, first and foremost, he has some answering to do, and he's going to have to do that like an adult. He can't say, hey, guys, I was a young kid, my bad. He can't say that because that is how he felt. That's obviously how he felt about a certain race of people, and that is what he thought. Those were his feelings, and and he took those feelings and put them out there publicly. So he has to move forward from that. With that being said, he has a better arm, in my opinion, than Baker Mayfield. He throws that ball on the money. He made some amazing throws, you know, tight seam throws, seeing a guy open in a, in a split second and zipping the ball in. He did a little Nick Foles thing where where they they passed the ball. You know, he, he hiked the ball, and, well, it was a little bit different than a Nick Foles play, but the ball goes over to one of his other teammates, and he runs out and he catches a touchdown pretty much in the exact same spot that Nick Foles did in the end zone against the Patriots. So there's some, there, you know, I think with Josh Allen, and I was telling Ross during the break, Ross said, who would you put your money on? If you had to put your money down right now, who do you feel most confident putting your money on being a successful quarterback in the NFL over time, over their history? And I said, number one, Lamar Jackson. Number two, Josh Allen. Number three, Josh Rosen. Number four, Sam Darnold. Number five, Baker Mayfield. As of right now, that is where I put them. Now, keep in mind, folks, who think I'm nuts. Dan Marino was drafted at the bottom of the first round back in 1983 when they only had 28 teams picking and not 32. And 28 picks in the first round, he was at the bottom of that. Dan Marino was a Hall of Famer, okay? I never won a Super Bowl, Dan. I don't really care. He was a Hall of Famer. So was Jim Kelly. He didn't win a Super Bowl. So, you know, for me, I look at Josh Allen and when Buffalo picked him up, I went, holy crap, Buffalo, Cleveland just drafted well for you. They just gave you this little steal. They gave you this guy. And if he can get past this and his team can get past his ignorance of his past, then I think they could be something successful. Now, I'm upset about A.J. McCarron because A.J. McCarron's been asking for a starting job for 782 years. Oh, you know, and Right, and so now there's this position where is he ever going to really get the chance, and that's something that frustrates me. But I would like to see A.J. McCarron get this year, let Josh Rosen learn under him, uh, give Josh Rosen a year to be a red shirt 
NFL player, so to speak, unless the team is struggling a lot with A.J. McCarron, then you make your move, you know, about five weeks in, so when, the, when things can still be changed. And do you think they almost have a chance to do that? Never mind that they got a guy who they says a little more of a project because he came from a smaller school. Did they have that luxury with McCarron there? You could give Josh Allen, if you need to, a whole year where he could just run the system. That they finally broke their, their streak of not making the playoffs, their futility. It took them 18 years to finally make the playoffs since the 1999 season when they had Doug Flutie and the Flutie Flakes going on. They lost the Music City Miracle with Steve McNair and Kevin Dyson and uh, Jeff Fisher and the Tennessee Titans. Uh, that they finally broke that playoff streak, so maybe there'll be a little less pressure on uh, that Buffalo fans, as crazy as as passionate as they are, that at least that they finally made, they tasted a, a chance to go to the playoffs. They lost to your Jaguars in the first round. That they at least did that, so almost like you're playing with house money, they'll they're be willing to wait for a Josh Allen, and they might not rush him in right away. Yeah, I don't think they're going to rush him in right away, and I, I honestly don't. Like I said, unless the sky is falling, but even then, I don't know if they're necessarily going to uh, rush him into anything in, in this season at this point in time. I, I will. So, like I said, I think he's going to have some time to learn. I think you know, you know, Ross asked me about Josh and before the break, Josh Allen, and and I do. I think if I'm going to put my money on any quarterback success success at this moment before anybody's played it down, then Josh Allen's number two in my book that I would put my money on. And I said number three would be Josh Rosen. And the thing with Josh Rosen going to the Arizona Cardinals, here's the thing: Josh Rosen's going to a good situation, right? They got a new they they got a new head coach. Carson Palmer retired. Bruce Arians, their head coach, he retired. Fitzgerald's not going to be there forever, but here's a here's a crazy thing. They draft Josh Rosen, their quarterback of the future, right? They're the 11th overall pick. They bring him in, or pardon me, 10th overall pick, because there's nine mistakes before him. I forgot that he said that, which was very stupid. But, you know, but the, the 10th overall, you know, disrespectful, but it's fine. It's, it's, it's the 10th overall, you know, that's like, you know, there's 44 presidents before me. They're all stupid. 45th, the best, always. So, you know, but it's 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 a stupid comment. But here's the thing with Josh Rosen, okay? He has antics. He has, you know, things that he has said publicly, things that he has done, you know, inside of his dorm room. He had a hot tub that he installed. I mean, this, this guy's a little bit of a head case himself. He's going out to Arizona, and he's got a new head coach to deal with. He's got Fitz, who's going to bring forward Christian Kirk. But here's the thing that Arizona did. They drafted what they hoped to be their new franchise quarterback in Josh Rosen, and then right after that drafted what they hoped to be the potential number one wide receiver in Christian Kirk, with John Brown gone and Larry Fitzgerald will retire within the next year or two. So Rosen is stepping into a system that I like. He's staying on the West Coast and staying with the weather that he knows, which I like, and staying around teams that he played up against because when you're in the Pac-12 and you're playing for UCLA, you're playing Arizona and Arizona State. So, you know, this is this is kind of a home away from home for Josh Rosen in a good situation. He can throw on the fly. He can throw in, in pressure. He makes some awesome throws. I watched him in the beginning of the season with a shootout against, against Memphis. And, you know, I got to say that, you know, watching Josh Rosen, I believe it was a Memphis game, that uh, I watched him uh, when I was down in Florida covering the Jaguars, watching with my uncle, uh, Papa Joe, and who's on the show a bunch. And we were just watching him. He loves Josh Rosen. He loves what Rosen can do. And it, it is his ability to get out of to get out of trouble, to get banged around, and to throw his passes on the money. I like it. I love seeing it. You know, I brought up Sam Darnold doing this. Rosen's got some legs, and Allen's got some legs too, which you don't see from Sam Darnold, which puts him a Puts both of them ahead of Sam Darnold in my book. But I think, you know, Josh Allen, leadership-wise, you know, if he can 
change his ways and change his ignorance. There's a lot to be said about, you know, what I think he can do on the field. I put Josh Rosen right in the middle because I like him, and at the same time, I'm a little bit concerned with his attitude. I'm a little bit concerned with his cockiness because what this game... injury history as well? He's got the cockiness and has the concussion and sh- or shoulder injury history as well. That's another concern. Right, and obviously injuries and, you know, the game has to humble you, and I don't know if it has yet for him. So, you know, I don't know how patient he'll be if he has to sit behind Sam Bradford, but Jesus knows that that'll only be for two or three weeks, unfortunately, because well, Bradford always gets crazy. injured. He's, he's the walking wounded all the time. You know, Sam Bradford's going to make $20 million this year, whether he starts or sits on the bench. That dude is the luckiest guy ever. He makes uh, $15 million a year, $20 million a year. Every single year he seems to make big money, and he only plays a few weeks because he's talented, but he can't stay healthy. His knees are shot. He injures his shoulder a lot. So you got him. You got Mike Glennon, who's been decent to the Chicago Bears in the past. And now, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as well. And now uh, you got Josh Rosen. So you got three pretty good quarterbacks. But, of course, Rosen is going to be the guy they traded up to get him. And I think Larry Fitzgerald, I don't know what your thoughts, but you would think, even though he'll only be there probably for another year or two, that that sort of leadership maybe could talk some sense in him. You have a guy who's been there, done that, almost won a Super Bowl with them against the Steelers 10 years ago. That might be a common influence. And they have running back David Johnson, star running back, coming back from being injured almost all of last year. That could be another positive influence. Yeah, you know, and, and, that's, and that's the thing is is that, you know, I think Arizona is, is ripe for a better future. And I think that there's something to be said about that. I think Larry Fitzgerald has been a bridge for a lot longer than then, you know, maybe other people would stick around and whatnot. But, you know, he's, he's been wonderful about it. He's been dedicated to the people of Arizona, and that's been amazing to see. And so this transition, like I said with Josh Rosen, you know, Ross brings up injuries, I bring up character, and, and you know, the game maybe hasn't humbled him yet, which I hope that it does. And I'm not saying to get injured again or anything like that. I'm just saying to, you know, have some respect and appreciation for the game. So, you know, that's what puts Josh Rosen in the middle of the pack for me, in my opinion. But I would love to see him be successful and love to see him move forward because Arizona's got to fight off the Los Angeles Rams now, the San Francisco 49ers. If Seattle can bounce back a little bit here with some of the moves that they made in the draft, you know, that can mean something for them as well. So, you know, for... Yeah, yeah right. I said arguably the NFC West could be could be arguably this season if all the chips fall where I think they may. It could be the toughest division to get out of in the country, if not in the NFC. And how about a few years ago, Seattle uh, before they ever had Russell Wilson, they once won that division going seven and nine. So back in the day, not that long ago, the NFC West was mediocre and garbage. Now the Niners look good with Jimmy Garoppolo, as long as that uh, comes to form. Uh, as you said, the LA Rams got a ton of great defensive players, offensive stars. They got Brandon Cooks from the Patriots. Got a great offense with Jared Goff and Todd Gurley last year. Seattle, it's a mess, but Russell Wilson there, you'd think would give them a chance, even though they lost a lot of their Legion of Boom defense. So I think Arizona kind of was pressured that they needed to get a quarterback of the future, losing Carson Palmer uh, to retirement and your head coach. They needed to get, keep up with the Joneses because you got Russell Wilson, Garoppolo, and Jared Goff in that same division. They couldn't just go in there with Bradford and Glennon and hope for the best. Those guys are decent, but not a guy you could uh, have your future set on. And They're hoping Rosen. They called him Chosen Rosen. And part of me, I'm a fellow Jewish guy just like him. A lot of people in New York, big Jewish population wanted him to go to the Jets. I almost wanted him to go to the Jets, but you know, like I said, I will root for the heck 
for Sam Bradford to be the guy, and I'm hoping that we don't dread that we passed on on Josh Rosen. But uh, I know he definitely needs to be humbled a little bit. The other thing I'd ask you is quickly. Uh, some people are saying, that, do you think it has any influence? I think a lot of these guys, it doesn't necessarily matter where they come from. But they say, because he doesn't come from a very humble background, that he has rich parents. And some people question, yeah. even his head coach at UCLA, Jim Mora, before Chip Kelly took over, does he really love football? That he comes from a very privileged family, never was uh, you know, working hard for money. And some people are saying, because it's such a violent game, would he just, if he got injured a lot, would he just step away from the game? Because if he doesn't really love the game, why risk injury? When you're set for life, he's going to make a lot of money this way. Plus, his family, he comes from money. Do you think it, that that hurts him? Or do you think it actually sometimes helps when you have players who come from a rough background and have that Cinderella story? And I'm sure you will want to quickly mention before we wrap up today, the, the Griffin brothers, who are now going to play for Seattle. That amazing story. With, you know, St. Queen uh, Griffin, who is a one-handed football player, first ever to get drafted. And the two brothers are going to be reunited now in Seattle after playing at Central Florida. And that amazing story from a humble background like that, and then you get a background where it's more of a privileged background like uh, Josh Rosen, and a lot of people think it just rubs them the wrong way, that he doesn't truly appreciate it, and even his head coach, Jim Morris, said he needs to be challenged or he's not going to be actively into the into the sport of football, and that's a little a bit of uh, a, head, a head-scratcher yeah. for a guy who supposedly loves the game, but that's a little questionable. Yeah, you know, I, I think, I think to, you know, look at, Look at, uh, you know, Josh Rosen and, and the whole, you know, he his family has money, this, any other thing. I mean, all that tells you is he doesn't need the hefty contract. He doesn't need football. He doesn't have to have this money. You know, that money also belongs to his parents, and you don't know his situation. And, and if, you know, and, and if he was, you know, whatever, the trust fund baby growing up, and they said, you know, now you got to make a living and do that. I don't think you can you can go to, you know, what he is as a quarterback and question his ability as a quarterback or as a leader because his parents are rich. I think that that would be a type of prejudice, you know. that In the same respect, you would say, well, these people come from a poor upbringing, so all they want is money. And, and all these, you know, I mean, you can argue it either end of the spectrum, you know. These people come from nothing, so we're going to do this. These people come from being rich, so we're going to do this. So, you know, I, I, I don't agree with that. I couldn't stand hearing the comments about him being rich and what does that mean about his career and that. was held against him, though. I think that was one of the things besides they thought he had a little bit of the douchey gene, I guess you would call it, like the Jersey Shore gene about him where he was real cocky. I think a lot of people uh, were using that against him. Yeah, well, and, and that's and that's and that's the media being stupid, and you know, and and that's the thing is that as a member of the media, I call us to be better than how some of us act, how a lot of us may act, and some people are better, some people grow as human beings, and some people look like idiots when they're quote unquote giving us journalism and giving us news. I love when somebody writes to me, that's journalism 101, Dan, because nine times out of ten, that person doesn't know what journalism is, nor have they ever taken a journalism class and listened. But, you know, when it comes down to it, when we look at the situation with Josh Rosen, like I said, that was just a media BS thing. It's the same thing with Tim Tebow. Oh, he's Tebowing. Oh, he praised the God. Oh, Why does that influence what he does on the field? In the end, He's either going to swing or, uh, sink or swim by how he performs and if he rubs his his uh, teammates' people the wrong way on and off the field in the locker room. And if he pisses them off, if he wins, I'm sure that will smooth a lot of things over with his teammates. But if he loses and he pisses his teammates off, I think you're going to have a lot of problems. But if he performs on the field, it shouldn't matter how rich he is or how cocky he is. 
No, because let me let me put it to you like this. Let me have some fun with this game, shall we? Let's go down the line here. I won't go all the way back, but let's just go down the line here on some of these quarterbacks that were drafted number one overall. Now, Tim Tebow wasn't. Team Tebow has more playoff wins than Tim Couch, who was drafted number one in 1999 by the Cleveland Browns. Tim Tebow has more playoff wins than David Carr, who was drafted in 2002 by the Houston Texans. He has more playoff wins than Jamarcus Russell, who was drafted out of LSU by the Oakland Raiders. It's like, shall we continue and keep going down the line? And you know what? You want to say, well, Tim Tebow didn't lead the team to the Super Bowl. He didn't do this. He didn't do that. They did with Peyton Manning. Well, guess what? Cam Newton hasn't won a Super Bowl. He was number one overall. Sam Bradford hasn't won a Super Bowl. He was number one overall. Matt Stafford hasn't won a Super Bowl, number one overall. Jamarcus Russell, Alex Smith, Carson Palmer, on and on. David Carr, on and on. Tim Couch, on and on. We keep going. And these guys were drafted number one overall. Tim Tebow was not drafted number one overall. And if anybody else was drafted where he was drafted, people wouldn't care. Oh, he's 15th, he's 18th, he's 22nd. That doesn't matter because there's a less expectation there. But they hold this guy up to, well, you told us he was going to be the prodigal son. You told me, you told us he was the second coming of John Elway. No, nobody ever did that. They, but they pe- use the religion. I also think, that, you know, like you were saying, and a lot of times you even said that it happens to you because you 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 have a strong sense of faith and very spiritual. They use his religion against him. That he he's, he really believes in it and he helps people. He helps people in underprivileged areas around the world. He for habitat of humanity fixes up homes and helps kids who are sick yeah. and not doing well. And he he really he puts it uh, he puts it together. He doesn't just say things just to say it and and uh, get popular. He believes in the stuff that uh, that he that he's been been preaching and been learning and following throughout his life. And I think a lot of the times they use the faith and they use the the bow and the tebow and against it, making it seem like oh, it's the worst thing in the world. And you know, it, maybe it's not the same, but it, it could be a similar situation with you know how cocky a guy is and could he relate to his teammates like a Josh Rosen. You know, I think they go into that impression, and you don't even know the guy. We, none of us really know what this guy is, besides that he's a talented guy. And a lot of people in the NFL use that against him, and I think a lot of people use that against Tim Tebow and had preconceived notions before he ever stepped on the field. And you gotta just see what he does, and before you hate a guy, at least learn about the guy. Don't just hate the guy going in. Right, and but but again, that's the thing, you know, and and that and that's and that's what happened, and with Tim Tebow. And, that, and here's the irony about Tim Tebow. The media pushed the, he's not praying to Jesus. He's not kneeling like we all do in church every Sunday. Or, you know, he's kneeling. No, he's Tebowing. And I'll never forget the woman at Jets camp at SUNY Cortland where this one lineman, it was 91 degrees outside. He was sweating and had practiced for like an hour. And he, and he was starting to kneel to take a break because it's hot outside. And the woman next to me had a camera out. And she goes, oh, oh, what? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Get your camera out. Get your camera out. She goes, is he going to? Oh, he's going to. He's going to Tebow. He's Tebowing. Oh, my God. He's Tebow. Everybody get it. Everybody get it. His teammates are Tebowing. His teammates. And I was like, no, his teammates are taking a knee before they pass the frick out in 91 degree heat. So it's, but it, but that's the thing. 
They push the narrative of Tim Tebow Tebowing, and it's not about Jesus, and it's a laughing stock, and let's make fun of it. But in the same respect, the same media outlets, the same media people that make fun of him and make his belief in Christ a bad thing, his belief in God a bad thing, those are the exact same people that rush down to see him in a baseball game when a guy passes out next to the field and Tim Tebow's praying with him and the guy comes back and it looks like a miracle. They're the same people that talk about Tim Tebow's book. They're the same people that go to Binghamton to see a team in single A that they never even knew existed. The media covers, the media creates a narrative to hate a man, and then when the man does something loving, they turn around on the same news broadcast that said, this guy sucks, everybody hate him, and they go, oh my God, he's a godsend, is he the second coming of Christ? And, it's like basically they build you up, it's almost like some of the superhero movies we watch, as, as dorky as that might be, I'll admit, I'm a self-professed dork here, with the Batmans and the, the Spider-Mans, all the superhero movies, you saw that in a lot of the Spider-Man movies we used to watch, is they build you up, that you're this amazing savior, and then the media builds you up to a certain point, and then they build you up so high, that all you can do is come crashing down, because then, the narrative comes that, oh, he's a menace to society, he's hurting people, when you saw the Daily Bugle Spider-Man, as corny as that uh, comparison might be, but in many aspects it's similar, because they build up a Tebow, they build up a player, and then they rip him apart. Josh Rosen, they build up that he's so talented, then he's a rich kid who doesn't know how to relate to people, they quit, they brought him down, and he kept slipping in the NFL draft, and he's he's angry, and he has a chip on his shoulder, and now, let's see what he can do about it, but they build you up the media just so you go come crashing down. It's hard to always stay number one unless you're Michael Jordan. He's really one of the few people ever who's always stayed on top, and no one's really ever taken shots at everyone right. else, basically, they go after. Right, but the thing is, think about the media and what they do ever, ever since the Ever since Michael Jordan played basketball, what does the media do? No, but no, but every single year, every single year, is Kobe Bryant better than Jordan? Is LeBron James better than Jordan? Who's better than Jordan? Is Jordan the best? Every think about having to be a person. And every single year, Dan Satora is the greatest broadcaster of all time. Has he been beaten? Is somebody better than him? You know, think about every single year waking up, turning on the news, and and they're like, who's better than Ross Tretzky? Is Ross Tretzky still the best? Does he still hold it? Or is he not the best anymore? Is there somebody else that takes his place? Is there somebody else that there's a better writer, a better, you you know, Ross is the best writer in history, but who's the best writer now? Is it still him? Every year, people are challenging your crown, so to speak. Every year coming after you and you know I don't think anybody would like to hear that but they do that to the untouchable Michael Jordan people have almost completely forgot about Magic Johnson they've almost completely forgotten about you know some of these other guys I mean we talk about Michael Jordan this yeah we talk about Michael Jackson or Michael Jackson Michael Jordan and and Larry Bird and all this stuff but it's like what about Wilt Chamberlain what about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar what about Robert Parrish what about, I mean, you, you can go throughout this whole thing and ask these questions about what about this guy? What about that guy? What about this guy? I mean, there are players that change the diet. What about Julius Irving, for goodness yeah. sakes? What about Spud okay. Webb? Jordan's really the only one I can really think in, in really any sports history where no one questions him, no matter what. And I say <laughs> Jordan's great. I'm not taking any shots at Jordan. 
but he was never perfect. He actually lost in the first round twice in his career. LeBron James almost got knocked down in the first round, had to play amazing and win seven games against the Indiana Pacers to push him to the break. LeBron James has never lost in the first round of the playoffs, but because he's lost in the NBA Finals with some bad teams that he's dragged to the NBA Finals with Cleveland and Miami once in a while, you see like guys like Skip Bayless who rip him apart like he's awful. And I say LeBron James gets sometimes way too much credit. But he's also not awful. Why is he always being compared to Michael Jordan? It's not fair to anyone to have to live up to that. Just like it's not fair to any of these quarterbacks to have to live up to, are you going to be the next Peyton Manning or your next Tom Brady? It's very hard to live up to that. How are you going to do that? Because Tom Brady, as great as he is, he's won five Super Bowls. He's also lost three Super Bowls. And a lot of his Super Bowl wins have been by three points or less. Or the stupid play when Seattle didn't run the ball at the one-yard line and they won that one. Or when they uh, Atlanta blew the massive twenty to three Super Bowl two years ago, so Brady, as great as he is, he's lost Super Bowls and he's won some Super Bowl games that he could have easily lost. So he's not perfect. But Joe Montana is four zero and perfect. So a lot of people say, oh, he's better. So it's hard. It's hard to really compete with history when those guys are done playing and those guys never lost the championship. Right, it's and it's and it's also the time period. Okay, basketball in the past when Jordan was playing. It wasn't a selfish, self-centered, one-on-five sport. The Seattle Seahawks played as a team. The Celtics played as a team. The Lakers played as a team. The Bulls played as a team. Yes, there were the Birds and the Abdul-Jabbars and the Magics and and the Michael Jordans, but there was also the Scottie Pippins and the Dennis Rodmans and the Luke Longleys and the Hersey Hawkins and the Sean Kemp's and the you know and, and like and like and, and the Wilt Chamberlains even on some of these teams. And there was, I mean, you look at the Orlando Magic and they had Shaquille O'Neal and Penny, but they also had Dennis Scott. They there these the the teams that played up against Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan's team. It was a different NBA. And whenever somebody says, who's the greatest of all time, there's different eras, okay? Some people will always tell you that Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron were the greatest baseball players, greatest hitters of all time. But somebody growing up today would go, no, Aaron Judge would have beat Babe Ruth. or this way. But if the thing is, there's similarities, right? Babe Ruth... It was all or nothing. Aaron Judge, it's all or nothing. But Babe Ruth could pitch. Aaron Judge doesn't pitch. So if we go head-to-head and say, well, they hit a bunch of home runs, but they also strike out, but Babe Ruth could do more on the field than Aaron Judge could do, then it goes to Babe Ruth. But if you tell a kid right now that Aaron Judge is not the greatest Yankee to potentially ever live, they might think you're nuts because they didn't research Joe DiMaggio. They didn't research Mickey Mantle. They didn't research Whitey Ford. You know, I could tell you Sandy Koufax is the best. Somebody else is going to tell me Nolan Ryan. Somebody else is going to tell me Randy Johnson. I mean, the, the conversation is going to go on forever. You can't really compare them. It's fun. It's a fun debate on sports shows, and I love to debate about it. But you can't truly know who's better because most of these guys never got to face each other head-to-head. And uh, back when Babe Ruth played, only white people played baseball. That was only the thing they allowed in Major League Baseball. It was not even integrated yet, baseball. So as great as Babe Ruth was, you know, you know, he basically was playing with just white players. And then nowadays, you know, baseball is just, as you said, only home runs or strikeouts. And it's a different era. Plus, a lot of people have done steroids in this day and age. Went back in Babe Ruth's day. All he would do is eat like 10 hot dogs and drink a whole bunch of beer before a game. So it's just different eras. It's hard to compare the two. Right. Uh, the if I will say somebody who who literally was their greatest degree of difficulty. Like Babe Ruth ate and drank everything that was supposed to prevent him from being a good athlete. 
So he's the one where people can go, well, you're not supposed to drink and you're not so you're not supposed to drink and you're not supposed to do this and, and eat this and eat that. But Babe Ruth, but, and, and I could always say, well, mom, Babe Ruth did. So, I mean, the fact of the matter is, right. Well, but, but that's the thing. The thing about Babe Ruth is what I can say maybe makes him one of the greatest ever is that he did everything to his body you weren't supposed to do, and his brute raw talent still came through. Hank Aaron will always be the home run king to me until somebody breaks it that's not on steroids. So, I mean, that's just how it is. His home run mark of 755 career home runs still should be the record. Barry Bonds breaking that record of 762, it's bogus. Him, McGuire, Sosa, all those guys are cheaters. And I, whether you put an asterisk behind it, I, I, Hank Aaron deserves to be the home run king. But like I said, it just, it's crazy to think about. And in football, they're always comparing players. And who's better? They always had comparisons with Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. Um, Brady had more Super Bowl titles. Manning had better... Uh, regular season career stats and people use that against you just like Dan Marino had a lot of the records but never won a Super Bowl a lot of people try to compare guys and it's really hard to do that in this day and age and in the end I know everyone loves Super Bowls and that's the ultimate goal but it's a team sport a quarterback as great as he is he can help a team win a Super Bowl and he can definitely hurt them from winning or losing a Super Bowl but he can't single-handedly win a Super Bowl Tom Brady has not won five Super Bowls by himself just like Dan Marino did not lose Every season without winning a Super Bowl by himself, it takes a team to win or lose. So I think that's the other thing I have a problem with. Michael Jordan, in basketball, it's a little easier because it's only five people on the court instead of football with so many more people. But even then, you can't win it all by yourself. In football, uh, you know, I, I would always hate that argument. Everyone's like, oh, Brady's better just because he won more Super Bowls. Count the rings. Rings are nice, but again, you cannot just say just because I have more Super Bowls. If that's the case, Robert Horry, uh, Robert Horry for basketball, he won like six or seven NBA championships. He was a backup role player who just shot three pointers. He won a ton of championships, but he's definitely not the best player ever just because he has a lot of rings. You know, so that's that's my other issue when you compare players in different eras. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and the thing is, we we open up these doorways to plenty more discussions to be had. Uh, I mean, the final thing that, that you had brought up, Ross, speaking here with Ross Turetsky on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, is that the Griffin brothers are back together again after, you know, after being together recently here and, and you know, having been teammates. Um, they are now teammates once again, reunited with the Seattle Seahawks. Shaquille and Shaquem Griffin are back with one another, you know, covering the covering Central Florida, uh, covering Shaquem Griffin recently here. I mean, I saw this man make tackles with one hand, and it was insane. I mean, this guy hits you as hard as anybody. He can grab interceptions as well as anybody. He can knock you down in the open field as well as anybody. He doesn't let anything take him down. I respect the heck out of it. And this, these are one of the stories where – if you literally wake up every morning, look at a picture of, of Shaquem Griffin and, and remind yourself what he's done, you will never have a bad day again. And what do I mean by that? If we took the five seconds to say, look at what Shaquem Griffin is doing with less, we wouldn't complain about stuff in our lives. We wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't hem about this and haw about that. There's certain things that you need to snap you back to reality, and Shaquem Griffin's one of those things. He doesn't ask for any handouts. He doesn't ask for any favors. He kicks butt. He takes names. The only thing I'm pissed off about is that it took over 100 picks to get him. I think he was 141. 
but to finally draft him and bring him to Seattle, put him with his brother. I hope this isn't just a feel-good story, and I hope that Seattle is dedicated to these guys. I hope that they are willing to pay these men, keep these men, and let them grow because I think it's a phenomenal story to bring them back together. But I don't want this to be one of those like Michael Sam stories where it's like, oh, look, the first openly gay person we put on our team for 15 minutes. We drafted him in the seventh round and then he never played football again. So, you know, I don't I don't want that to be if you're going to if you're going to have Shaquem Griffin on your team, let him play. And Seattle, if you don't want him, Jacksonville will take him. That'd be okay. Can you see like the inspirational Disney like remember the Titans type movie? I can see it now already as cheesy as those movies sometimes are. It's a movie. It's it seems too good to be true. The story, what he's overcome. I think they said he had his hand amputated when he was only four years old. And throughout their careers, they played it in high school and college. They said Shaquille Griffin, his older brother. Well, not, well I think they're twin brothers, but his brother who got drafted just a year ago by Seattle. Uh, he could have played at better colleges. You know, the bigger powerhouse allegedly colleges. Uh, you know, Central Florida. They're arguably the national champions. They're the only team that went undefeated this past year, and they said they're calling themselves national champions. They have the banners and the rings, and they said they would have loved to play at Alabama for the national title. <clears throat> and uh, you know, he instead of going to those bigger college powerhouses, he stayed. He went to Central Florida so he could be teammates with his brother. And now, after getting drafted last year, now for his brother getting drafted, and they were at home together, and them and their families hugging each other, the tears, the emotion was genuine. I felt emotional, and I was just at my home eating Doritos and being a fat, lazy bum, basically. And I felt emotional just watching these two brothers breaking down in tears and them holding each other. And it was just such a great moment. And as I said, I hope, like you said, it's not cheapened by this is just, you know, a publicity stunt. I want them to give him a fair chance as long as, you know, as long as he's good enough and he earns his spot, he belongs on the team. He didn't get picked to the fifth round, but I'm very proud that he got drafted. Uh, and then the only thing that I kind of felt bad about was from what I've heard, even though he had that great combine, scouting combine where he lifted the weights great, ran a fast 40-yard dash, allegedly Seattle was the only team after that combine to run his draft process that interviewed him. It seems like the other teams, the other 31 NFL teams, probably, whether they want to admit it or not, held it against him that he ha- only has the one hand. And even though he can, he can intercept the ball and tackle people, and he showed that he could do it and, and hold the ball with one hand, that they used that against him. And supposedly the Seattle Seahawks were the only team who had the guts and actually were smart enough and open-minded enough to interview him and actually as a legit candidate to give them, you know, basically give him a job interview and, and draft him. The other teams allegedly did not interview him and weren't interested. And I, my, that, that sickens me a little bit if that's the case. That's what I was hearing on draft day, that no one took him seriously as a draft candidate, no matter how well he did in college or at the scouting combine. And Seattle was the only team that had guts to it. And Seattle, you know, they haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Supposedly, it might be the only team that maybe will give even Colin Kaepernick, the controversial figure, a chance. There's still talk that they might bring him in as a backup quarterback for Russell Wilson. So, got to give a lot of credit to Seattle, but I don't know what you would think, Dan, but if that's the case, though, it's a great story, emotional, and I'm very proud of those Griffin brothers, but I'm very also a pissed off, basically, at the rest of the league. If that's the case that no one else took him seriously as an NFL legit candidate. Yeah, so, like I said, I hope Seattle you know, does right by him. Cause I know I'm not worried about him going to work. I know he's going to go to work. So keep doing you Shaquille and Shaquem and keep making it happen and keep making central Florida proud because they are a pleasure of a team to cover inside of the American athletic conference and the power six baby. So with that being said, Ross and I 
have given you much today. We've opened a lot of doors. We spent a lot of time on the quarterback, so you can be sure that tomorrow with Eric Kroom, former defensive lineman of Syracuse in the NFL, we'll spend some time on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive lineman, how Bradley Chubb fell to Denver, and Denver was smart enough to not draft another quarterback. So we'll move forward from that tomorrow and so much more. And with Ross, as always, brother, I appreciate you, man. Thanks again for having me on. I'll give a quick shout. My wife's ready to the Steelers. They drafted, it could be the steal the draft in the third round. Oklahoma State, he, he fell in the draft. Mason Rudolph, we're talking about quarterbacks. He might be the heir apparent for Ben Roethlisberger. I know that's a big shoes to fill, but he's a big, strong quarterback to throw the ball well. Mason Rudolph from Oklahoma State, they even drafted his wide receiver from Oklahoma State, James Washington Steelers. Watch out for that. And the Steelers and Buffalo Bills, another brother story that was heartwarming. First brothers ever to be drafted in the first round of the same draft. The uh, the two brothers for Buffalo and uh, for Pittsburgh, they drafted Virginia Tech. Uh, and, and that was an amazing story that those two brothers got drafted by the Steelers and Bills. First brothers ever drafted in the first round of that same draft. That was a cool uh, story. I think uh, the Edmonds brothers, uh, and it was pretty cool. They played in college together, and now they're drafted. And Hopefully they'll have face off against each other head-to-head when Buffalo plays Pittsburgh. So those were other two quick shout-outs. With, uh, and plus, Ryan Shazier gave the pick and was able to walk again during the NFL draft. That was another uh, emotional moment that I also took. Uh, it, took it, was, it was heartwarming to watch that in the NFL draft. But thanks again for having me on. It was a pleasure to talk to you. I could talk to you all day. And I love you, buddy. And uh, keep on doing what you're doing. You're, you're great at what you do, and you're even a better person. Same to you, man. I feel exactly the same way. It's it's good to have good family, and, and God gives you your family not just by blood but by the people that he puts you in front of and that you get to meet. And if you're smart enough to bond with the good people, you're smart enough to extend your family. So I'm happy that I have extended my family and to you and to Abby and to Lorelai. And please give my niche a, a very big hug and kiss and tell her I'm going to be seeing her soon. And as always, take care of yourself, which I know you will, and keep being the good person that you are. Thanks again, buddy. Take care, and everyone enjoyed the Avengers, and no spoilers. They know <laughs> the major silence. That's what they've been saying online. No spoilers. I haven't watched yet. No spoilers. Enjoy the movie, though. Enjoy, enjoy football. We'll be back before you know it. NFL draft's done. It's May 1st, uh, and now we're only about three months away from real football, preseason football and training camp. So before you know it, magically, our, our favorite sport is uh, America's new national pastime. Now, the baseball is great. I love baseball. Football is the most popular sport in America. Football will be back before you know, and I'm, I'm very pumped about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we're looking forward to it, and uh, Thanos demands your silence. So on Super Powered Pop, we gave a video that was spoiler-free, and we did. We do have a show coming up with spoilers in it, but we warn you 117 times. The good thing is you can download the episode and save it to your phone, which we've suggested people to do. Download the episode, save it to your device, your desktop, laptop, phone, tablet, and then watch the movie and listen right after to get an automatic response when it's all fresh in your brain. So we set you up for your future. We got you set and ready to go, but we had a spoiler-free conversation about it. Y'all appreciated it on Facebook, and I thank you for that. And, uh, buddy, I hope you get to see it soon. I hope I get to see you soon, all right? So take care. Absolutely, buddy. Take care, and uh, best wishes to your family. Keep on doing what you're doing. All right, man. Same to you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. See ya. That coming from Ross Turetsky one more time. Ross Turetsky, a journalist for the Times Leader in Northeast Pennsylvania, as well as the host of his own show and somebody who is an amazing person and uh, great to have in my life. We went to college together, learned from the great Marywood University in Scranton, Pennsylvania, 
And I will always appreciate Mary Wood for bringing good people like Ross into my life and giving me a great education and great experience. We'll take a final step aside and come back with Ingredients to Success in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. If you haven't become a member, it's time to do so is right now by going to mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt and make sure you become a part of the show. Members get emailed every single time the show goes live. So all you got to do is wake up, check your email, click listen, and you're here. And you can also chat with me in the live chat room. We've spoken a lot about the quarterbacks of the draft in today's show with Ross Turetsky, sports writer and a sports broadcaster in northeastern Pennsylvania. Happy to have him on the broadcast. So tomorrow we will branch out into more topics, some of the things we didn't get to today, as well as more from the NFL and the NFL draft. And some surprises could be coming this week. Eric Kroon will be joining me tomorrow, Wednesday, May 2nd, former Syracuse and NFL Defensive lineman will be joining me to give his thoughts on the draft and some of the things that he took away. Stay tuned to Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter 
at call DT and Instagram at wake up call underscore DT to get the topics that Eric and I will be discussing on tomorrow's show and to make sure that you connect with each of those social media outlets. Before we round out today's show, we're going to do what we always do, and that is bring you on a Tuesday to round out the show, The Ingredients to Success, proudly presented by Utica Pizza Company. And we were speaking on quarterbacks, so I figured I'll stick with that, The Ingredients to Success for these teams that drafted quarterbacks. Number one, don't expect them to be perfect right away. Number two, and you know, and, th- and this goes to the team and it goes to the fan base. When you draft a quarterback, especially in the first round, don't expect them to be your savior right away. Don't expect them to win every game. Don't expect them to make every pass. Know that they are going to have a learning curve. Know that they didn't necessarily ask to be, I mean, it's great to be in the position that they're in, but it's a very difficult position to be in. So I ask the fans to have patience. I ask the organizations to have patience. And as we move forward from here, I'm seeing something on Facebook that's ridiculous. Facebook now has a thing on every single post that says, does this post contain hate speech? And if you say yes, then what does that happen? Like, I could go on somebody's Facebook page that I don't like if I was a jerk, which I'm not. But I was like, somebody could do that. Someone could go on, on, like, you could go on your ex-girlfriend's Facebook page, and let's say your ex-girlfriend owns a cupcake business. And it says, you know, does, does this post contain hate speech? And you could go to her cupcake business and say yes on all of them, and then they could block her cupcake business or take down her cupcake business page or whatever that may. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Facebook just keeps effing up, okay? You're asking us if it's hate speech or not. You're asking us, and you know, we're going to have to change ingredients to success because Facebook is failing, okay? Facebook is failing, not in bringing us together, not in me promoting my business. Facebook is failing in knowing how to adequately run a good business, Okay, I told you that I've had posts taken down because they went against community standards and they were posts of football teams, Jim Boeheim, and the caption said, listen to today's show. And that was considered to go against their community standards. If you tag people that follow your show, then that goes against community standards at times. I was blocked for a day and a half because I was including people in posts about things that I thought they would like to hear because they've listened before, supported the show before they support me. So I was blocked for thanking my supporters and connecting with my supporters. Now that they put on the bottom of every single thing, does this post contain hate speech? And if you click yes or no, it just stays up. So what's Facebook supposed to do? If I'm a racist... I can go on every single web page of the people or every single Facebook page of the people uh, they, of the race I don't like. And I can put, yeah, this is all hate speech. If I'm a Republican, I can go on a Democratic page and say this is all hate speech. If I'm a Democrat, I can go on a Republican page and say this is all hate speech. You could do it to an ex-girlfriend, an ex-boyfriend. You could do it to a business of your competitor. You know, somebody could come on my thing and say this is all hate speech. How about this, Mark Zuckerberg? Read the damn posts. You can't read everything, but you can. How about how about this? If somebody says something 
like, I hate this or F this. If somebody's swearing or using abusive language, that you can, that that gets flagged instead of asking if every post is hate speech. Because all this is going to do is make Facebook worse. People are going to get blocked for doing nothing wrong. People are going to get in trouble for doing nothing wrong. That's what happens with Facebook right now. People don't get in trouble that are supposed to get in trouble necessarily. You get in trouble if you promote your business without paying for it because Facebook wants money. You get in trouble if you put up too many pictures in a small amount of time. You know, Facebook has flagged me for doing too much work on my Facebook page. And then they always quote their community standards. Community standards, which is a crock of BS. What's a community standard? Don't work that hard. What's a community standard? Don't promote your business unless you pay Facebook to do it for you when it works half the time. I'm just interested in what a community standard is because the ingredients to success for Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook moving forward is to understand what's what. It's to understand what it is. Hate speech is not that hard to find. Pictures of people with guns or threatening to kill somebody or whatever. Those are not hard to find. There should already be people that that's their job in a day to like a telemarketer thing. It's your job day to day to sit at the computer and go through and look for content where people have weapons, content where people are being violent, content where people are being racist and prejudiced and sexist. There, there's content for that. There's content when you put porn up on Facebook. How can Facebook know, well, this is porn, you can't have it here, but they can't know whether or not somebody's being racist, and they can't know whether or not something's violent. If I'm waving a gun around saying, I'm going to shoot this, that, and the other thing, how does that not get taken down? Was there not a video of a murder that aired on Facebook? And then Facebook didn't take it down. They just said they gave you a warning that the stuff you're about to watch may be difficult for, for you to, to see. So now Facebook is putting it in the hands of the millions of us that have a Facebook account, which is free, so that I can go on anybody's account that I don't like and say everything on there is hate speech and have them blocked and have their business affected, their personal life affected, their family affected. That seems like the next best thing for Facebook to do. Take your job that you failed to do and give it to a bunch of crazy people and let them do it for you. And watch all the good people get bumped off of Facebook and all the bad people running the asylum going absolutely crazy. Facebook, you are failing at your job. You are supposed to create a platform to bring people together. If I woke up every morning and I asked the 1,300 people on Facebook that liked my page and the 8,000, 5,000, whatever, how many people that we reached this week to tell me what to talk about on my show this week. Do you know how crazy that would be? Do you know how ridiculous that would be? If I said, hey, wake up call listeners, I want you to write my show this week. I've given all my control to those people. And some people are going to be awesome and they're going to give me great ideas. And other people are going to be mean and horrible and ruthless and rude and just negative. And if I do somebody's suggestion, but I don't do the mean, negative, hateful one, that person's going to go, well, then, you know, I'm not going to listen to your show anymore because you said that you would do everything that everybody talked about and you did Bob's, but you didn't do mine. They don't care that it was racist. They just said, well, what, I thought we all get equal opportunity, Dan. 
What about equal opportunity? When you open the floodgates, you can't stop the flood. Anybody who thinks that Mark Zuckerberg won his congressional meeting is an idiot. Because I watched it, and he looked like a buffoon. He looked like an alien from the TV show V, or a robot from iRobot, more than he looked like a human being. These people need to be put in check. And asking the community of millions of people and of Facebook to tell Facebook whether something has hate speech in it or not is opening the door for ex-boyfriends, ex-wives, ex-fiancés, people that got fired from a pizza shop or a barber shop or whatever to go on there and try to ruin the personal and professional lives of people who have done nothing wrong. Facebook, you're supposed to protect the good ones. And all I see you doing is punishing us for going about our lives. Are we supposed to apologize that we don't pay you for ads that don't always work? Are we supposed to apologize that when we have ads, you some you create spam people and falsified accounts to make it look like you got us and got us people to react? Are we supposed to apologize that you charge so much money per hit and that you create one hit and it's $5 when it should be a, a penny? Is it our fault that you don't do your job and your due diligence? Is it our fault... That we put up a, a post about our baby and somebody complains about it and you take the post down which says, I love my daughter so much she's a beautiful girl. We should not have to post positive work-related things or professional or, or personal related things and wonder if Facebook deleted it or not. Wonder if Facebook let us see it or not. I, in my timeline, see people berate and go crazy on the president and Hillary Clinton and Korea and yada, yada, yada. Every single day since President Trump was elected, I've seen hate speech. But I got flagged for putting up too many pictures in a short amount of time because I was promoting multiple things in my business and I was doing it too close so I looked like a bot so I got bumped off of Facebook for a day and a half. But the person that is threatening to kill the president of the United States, that's fine. The ingredients of success for Facebook, stop asking the wrong people to police you. Stop making mistakes over and over again. You're bleeding out and you're cutting yourself while you're doing it. Asking me to tell you whether or not something is hate speech is allowing me to ruin the lives of other people for free because Facebook's not going to check everybody. Facebook, you're supposed to be the check and balance. You're supposed to have people that are making sure that things are being done right. I don't have time to go through the thousands of people I interact with on Facebook and see if there's hate speech or not. That's your job. And you've once again proven to the populace that you don't know how to do your job. Which, first and foremost, is morality, value, and equality. You can't do those things, you shouldn't be in business. And somebody should take over. Because if morality, positive values, positive reinforcement, a just, kind society, equality, and community are not paramount to you, then you have legitimately lost all hope of any type of respect from me. 
Get with it, Facebook. I love using Facebook as a platform, but I cannot stand the fact that they consistently punish the good and promote the wicked. Figure it out, Facebook, for all of us. We didn't ask for this. We didn't ask to be burdened by your sins and burdened by the work that you don't want to do. You want to know if something's hate speech? It's not very hard to find. Have a great day, folks. Stay together. Be a good person. And let Facebook be an example to you that you must have personal responsibility. Don't be like Facebook and tell somebody else to go to work to make you money. Don't be like Facebook and tell somebody to clean the dishes that are right in front of your face. Don't be like Facebook and want somebody to cook and clean for you when you don't do anything. Personal responsibility is your ingredient to success daily. Facebook, just like the NFL draft, you're on the clock. I hope you make the right decision. I hope you make the right pick. We'll take a step aside here, and I'll talk with you tomorrow morning, Wednesday, May 2nd, with Eric Kroom on the NFL draft and so much more. I'll talk to you then.